get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the BK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. never really wanted to go anywhere he told us that basically in the postseason that he wanted to stay there in philly so one of those things and, and here's the, here's the last thing doesn't even set the market in my mind for the starting pitching because any of the of the agents who represent free agent starters right now will say that he took a discount to stay there in, in philly oh boy that was jim duquette former major league baseball general manager on mlb network radio the other day is anybody else getting some static Somebody plug the in their microphone. Check, check. There we go. We good? Nope, Is it me? <laughs> Turn it off for a minute. <laughs> I was like, what's going Man, this on This is here? just like the Cardinals offseason so far. Just a false start. That's yeah. all it was. <laughs> Alex, Is it working out? What was Kerry Davis doing to this microphone? <laughs> I was using this last night. With Alex and T-Bone, I'm BK. All right, BK and Ferrario is with you here on 101 ESPN. We're going to try to make you feel a little better today because not going to lie to you. I was hurting yesterday. I saw the news. I woke up in Columbia and then boom, like a punch to the face. There's Aaron Nola re-signing in Philadelphia. Not a crazy deal, a more than reasonable deal. And Alex, what I learned from this is the guy was never leaving. He was never leaving Philadelphia. What is it that Greg Wyshynski always tells us? Where's your stuff? And his stuff is in Philadelphia. I thought maybe home is where the heart is, and that's in Louisiana, and one of the closest places that he could go to play. Yeah. Louisiana. <laughs> True. So Apparently they were the runner-up in this situation. Yeah. Um <laughs> It was never going to happen. It was never going to happen with him coming to St. Louis. I'm sorry. I got you guys excited. That's on me. I got myself excited. Again, that's on me. I have nobody to blame but myself. Alex, what was your reaction over the weekend when you saw Aaron Nola, the clear-cut, obvious number one target for the Cardinals, is off the board? Uh, what I learned is when BK yells at me and T-Bone for being pre-mad at the Cardinals <laughs> yeah. because I know that they're not going to do anything and I don't believe them from their words, um, he can shove that back in his mouth because this is exactly what the uh, Cardinals side of things looked like. An Aaron Nola that uh, signed for a good deal but was planning on going back to Philadelphia, but from all the reporting, there weren't a lot of teams that were trying to pull him away from Philadelphia, and of the teams that were willing to go to him and say hey rather than go back to philly what about coming to our team you know we could win a world series with you yeah the cardinals didn't say any of that they're like oh, well he was probably going back to philly so our our advanced analytic research and that we did in the offseason showed us that philadelphia was home for nola so we decided not even really to waste our time and focus on elsewhere that's the frustrating part 
there was not even an inkling of, well, let's see if we can get him away from Philadelphia. Sure, his stuff's packed there. Sure, Philadelphia is a great team. But maybe we could sell him on St. Louis. If you knew, and this is a hypothetical scenario that we don't know, my guess is he was just, when they offered him the requisite amount of money to stay in Philadelphia, he said, I'm staying in Philly. But if we go down this hypothetical scenario where the Cardinals saw, or uh, call his agent and say, instead of them letting the Cardinals know, hey, we're going to stick in Philly, Mo tells him early on, hey, seven years, $210 million. Take it or leave it. Would you have been okay with the Cardinals doing that? If they just went above and beyond? That's like $35 million more than what he ultimately got to re-sign in Philadelphia. If it took $30 million a year for seven years, $210 million, would you guys have been okay with that, comfortable with it? If you knew you just blew everybody else out of the water, Atlanta didn't offer this. According to the reports coming out of Philadelphia, nobody even offered $200 million. If the Cardinals had offered 210, what would your reaction have been? I would have been a little frustrated because it's a lot of money to throw at that guy, but I can't sit here and say I'm going to be disappointed because you got the ace. Your offseason's going to probably suck the rest of the way because not going to have, what, $20 million to spend beyond Aaron Nola? But what did we talk about last week? At least you got your guy. So uh, is it a lot of money? Absolutely. But would I be pissed off or disappointed that the Cardinals threw all of that money at Aaron Nola? No, because they've done something that they typically don't do. So and that's be aggressive. Be, be, be aggressive. And by the way, Atlanta's doing that. They tried yeah. to get him. And they just signed a bullpen arm. They just got Reynaldo Lopez, oh. a guy that I talked about being an interesting so you're saying a candidate for the Cardinals. Three years, $30 million. So you're saying that a team that has World Series aspirations was aggressive in the early portion of the offseason? They off non-tendered season? seven players. They traded they a couple Cardinals of guys uh, prior to the non-tender deadline as well. They've They've been highly aggressive. And they're moving stuff around in a way. I don't know what they're up to, but they're going to... They signed Reynaldo Lopez. That's a good signing by them. It helps their bullpen. They needed that. They needed it a little bit more depth in that group. They're going to go do something big this offseason. I can't tell you specifically what it's going to be. Maybe it's Tyler Glass now. Maybe they make a trade for Dylan Cease. Maybe they go sign Sonny Gray. They've been very active in that market accordingly. They're going to do something big. And it's probably going to make you as a Cardinals fan very frustrated because the Braves don't seem to have the same restrictor played on that the Cardinals do. When the dust settles post offseason, you're going to be able to clearly tell the teams that have World Series aspirations and teams that say, well, we can get by with this. And the Cardinals, guess what, guys, are going to be in that category. That sounds about right. But to your question on if it was like, would you be happy if the Cardinals gave $210 million on a seven-year deal to Nolan? Like, I, I wouldn't be frustrated, but I would think it's a bad contract because he... Baseball told you he's not a $200 million pitcher. And I thought that was the case going into this offseason. I thought all those reports that were saying, you know, he's seeking $200 million. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's like two guys that have a $200 million contract. And he's not in the same category as Max Scherzer when he got that deal. And he's not in the same category as Strasburg, who had won a World Series MVP. He's not even an ace, in my opinion, as Aaron Nolan. Now, I would have given him the deal that he signed, but he was never going to leave Philly. So when I saw that, my first reaction was, okay, that feels like a hometown discount, which it ended up being, it looks like. And I went, okay, you weren't going to ever compete with that. Or my frustration might turn, and this is going to be pre-mad, so calm down. I'm with it, you guys now. It's I'm, all about, I'm frustrated. It's all about the pivot for the Cardinals. What is the pivot? Because we know that Aaron Nola was a target. If the pivot is, let's go sign two number two or two number two starters, like a Sonny Gray and a Eduardo Rodriguez or a uh, Marcus Stroman, then I'm going to be a little frustrated because there's a number one still out in the market that I think you should be targeting in Blake's now. So I, I'm more, I'm not frustrated by the NOLA signing because I don't think they ever really had a shot at it based yeah. on all the reporting now. 
So I've come to I've come to terms with that. What I'm going to be frustrated by is what ends up being the pivot potentially, because if it is Sunny Gray is our pivot, I'm going to be a little frustrated. So, so you're going to be frustrated if it's not Blake Snow. This is where things get difficult. Or Yamamoto, or trade for an ace. I don't think Yamamoto is an option, and it's Agreed. not about the money. Like set the money aside for a second. I also think that's a part of why it's not an option. But even if it was, if the, even if the Cardinals were like, okay, we'll match what the demands are. All the reporting, and you can believe it or not, I, I'd never know how much to believe the reporting on, on players that are coming from overseas because it, it's it's hard to get real information on that. The reporting seems to indicate he legitimately wants to be in a big market. Like Bob Nightingale, I think it was, reported yesterday that Shohei Otani doesn't have that craving. Like He doesn't care if he's in a big market. He would rather fall into the like behind-the-scenes category oh. in terms of his public statements like he didn't even talk to the media after he won the mvp he said i'm not doing it he didn't have any friends at his house well, yeah, st louis has got to be very intriguing. clearly doesn't want the spotlight in that way he wants to be in the spotlight in terms of his baseball ability he just doesn't want to talk it sounds like it's the opposite for yamamoto he wants to be in the spotlight and if that's the case like as much as i love what cardinals baseball means here in st louis that's probably not where he'll end up he'll be in la he'll be in new york he'll be in san francisco yeah, but those big, big markets market. don't have newt true so let's say he is not an option. Let's go down this hypothetical scenario where Sonny Gray signs with Atlanta because oh that feels very possible right now, guys. They are aggressive. There's not a ton of options at the top end of this market. Blake Snell doesn't bring the amount of certainty to the rotation that a guy like Sonny Gray does, right or wrong. And let's say Blake Snell says, I don't want to play in St. Louis, which I also think is very realistic. And he wants to go to New York or LA or another big market, San Francisco. Now's where it gets to being tough. And this is not even of the Cardinals doing necessarily. It's guys that like maybe Sonny Gray likes Atlanta being closer to Nashville than he does St. Louis. Maybe these other two, Snell, Yamamoto, just wanted to go to big markets and it didn't matter what you were willing to spend on them. Now's when the pivot gets tough because I thought at least Nola provided an option because I was always of the assumption that, hey, if the Phillies wanted to resign him, they would have done it uh, before the season. It's not like they were that far away from where they ended up getting to. They were $25 million off. They were basically one more year on the contract. They finally got it done. Now things get very interesting for the Cardinals. And now is, honestly, if I was in Moe's shoes and I would be over budget and we'd be terrible. But I would go to Sonny Gray right now and say, what does it take? What does it take for us to get this done now? Because he should be their top option. I know you love uh, Blake Snell. I get it. I don't think Blake Snell's an option for the Cardinals. Hopefully I'm wrong. If that is the case, though, dude, go get Sonny Gray now because it seems like the market is starting to develop for starting pitchers. By the way, Yamamoto officially posted tomorrow morning. Go do it. Go make Sonny Gray feel wanted. He said that's what he wants. Go make him feel like the greatest thing since sliced bread. Now is the time to do it. Well, in the, the words of the great Fozzie Bear, uh, Waka Waka, that is going to be your number one if Sonny Gray goes to the Atlanta Braves yes. because you're not getting Snell. You're not getting Yamamoto. Uh, they won't trade pieces because, you know, they got to be prudent with the talent that they have in-house. Waka Waka, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, God. Um I, I think the pivot too. It, even if you do go to Gray now, okay. I, I think they're going to well, have to hit the trademark. We got some oh, news. Jesus Christ! My God, did Sonny Gray <laughs> just sign with amazing. the Atlanta Braves? This is amazing. I love it. Let me make sure this is real. No, <laughs> no. Oh, hold on. Here we got. No. Do we need, break, do we need the breaking news, Sander? <laughs> no, God, please, no. One hundred and one ESPN breaking news alert. No. What just happened? I haven't no. even seen it. No. <laughs> 
This is who you sign? This is the expectation? Are you kidding me? Oh, no! This is how you're prudent with your money? It's actually a good signing, but it's just so We're getting cardinals. the band back together. We're getting the band back it's together. It's time to call right. the old Redbirds. Let me get into newsman voice because it's going to be something that I'm sure we'll, we'll pull this and we'll play it on the show all day because it's the Cardinals making a move. According to Jeff Passan of ESPN.com, the Cardinals and Lance Lynn are reuniting. They are in an agreement on a one-year contract that includes a club option that guarantees roughly $10 million. This is according to Jeff Passan of ESPN.com. Lance Lynn officially back with the St. Louis Cardinals. All now, right. let me start with this. Let me start with this, Alex. Here come the Memphis Mafia. I, I find it really funny because, of course, <laughs> like this is the most Cardinals thing of all Cardinals thing is to bring back Lance Lynn. That being said, $10 million is totally reasonable for Lance Lynn. I have no problem with them bringing him back for this contract. I just find it hilarious that the first move of the offseason for the Cardinals is, let's bring the band back together, boys. Like, wasn't it the round table for the Athletic that put together yeah. their list where they were like, hey, the Cardinals should, like, sign Jordan Montgomery and, and sign Lance Lynn and sign Michael Walker and yeah. see where that gets them. Right. Okay, good Check. scenario. This is the third piece of your rotation. This is the third pitcher. Is. Yeah. I don't. I think this is the second guy. I don't know how. If it is the second I guy. I think this is the second guy. I mean, they can't sell the second guy. I told you I was screaming from the mountaintops what in season. about? $170 million, by the way. If this is the third best pitcher, this is totally fine. Yeah, I have this no is problem that with that at all. This is that market yeah. for that third. Now, my guess is this. I think what you're going to see is they're probably – this is just speculating after just seeing this deal for a minute. Um, this is your number three starter at 10 mil. They're probably going to now probably target Sonny Gray as the number two. And I think they're going to still hit the trade market. And I think yeah. they're going to try and get that one on the trade market. You guys are so cute for I, how excited I you find, get for a good offseason. I'm not. I, this does not get me excited. I mean, the guy gave up how many home runs was it last year? Like 50. 44 home runs. Woo. Do you know how hard that is to accomplish? 44 home runs. How many players hit 44 or more home runs last year? Oh my was gosh. there one? Uh, Schwarber made. Well, I don't know if Schwarber got there. I'm going to say no. I don't think. Eh, somebody had to do it. Somebody had. To somebody do it. hit forty-four home runs. Yeah. Matt Olson hit fifty-four. Oh yeah, that's right. Kyle yeah. Schwarber hit forty-seven, and Pete Alonso hit forty-six. Those were the three players in all of Major League Baseball that hit more home runs in the season. And by the way, they played every game. Van Lance Lynn, who started in thirty-two games last year. That being said, man, the Cardinals need innings. And this is what Lance Lynn has done since 2017 when it comes to his starts. 33, 29, 33, 13 in the pandemic season, led all of starters with 84 innings that year. 28, 21, 32. You can expect 160-plus innings out of Lance Lynn this year, and you can write it in pen. So it's not sexy. The guy had a 570 RA last season and allowed, again, 44 home runs. But at $10 bucks, this is a more than reasonable signing. I have no problem with them going out there and acquiring Lance Lynn at that specific price. Like, I don't know that Lance Lynn is going to be worse next year than Shane Bieber, for example. He does have strikeout stuff, by the way. Yeah. He'll, he'll strike guys out. And somehow just one pitch. But, yeah, somehow strikes guys out. <laughs> Part of the reason he has a home run problem. Oh, God, this is great. A- Alex, <laughs> we need to go to break. But get your giggles out of the way <laughs> because you guys are over here trying to convince us that the Lance Lynn signing is a great move to the offseason. It looks great right now. <laughs> Will it when he's number two on no, opening? No, day? that's why I said right now. 
they're going to try and convince us that Lance Lynn's got upside still at 36 years old. I want to get Alex's thoughts on this. I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. The mic drop features on the 101 ESPN app. You guys can text us at 314-399-9646. That's the Air Comfort Service text line. The Cardinals are bringing back Lance Lynn. That's really great for postgame. Is it going to be great for in-game? We'll find out together next. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. T-Bone, I'm BK. If you missed it, the Cardinals have signed Lance Lynn to a one-year contract with an option. The details on this are starting to come out now. It's basically a one-year $11 million contract. It includes a team option for next year, which can be worth up to $13 million. So it's basically a one-year deal. And if they need him to come back in 2025, they can bring him back. But it's a $1 million buyout. It, it gives them the right of first refusal more than anything else. So... I like the contract. I'm going to be totally honest with you guys. If you had told me before the offseason, hey, the third best option that the Cardinals are going to bring in is a one-year, $10 million deal for Lance Lynn, I'd be like, fine. Now, who do they get as the top two starters? That's really where this offseason will be made or break, will be a make-or-break type of a situation. Now, I will add this, Alex. One of the reasons why I like Lance Lynn as your third option is because it does give you the ability to really spend up on upside for that number two starter that you're looking at. Like, I think Lynn makes Tyler Glass now more likely for the Cardinals because Lynn provides innings, and you don't have to worry about that spot in the rotation for most of the season. Now, they might not be as as high-level innings as you're looking for, but as a number five starter, whatever. Like, we've talked about this. Nobody has a great number five starter for the most part. If you're now bringing in Sonny Gray and Tyler Glass now as your top two starters with Lance Lynn as your third best option. Man, that's a totally fine offseason. You brought in innings with Sonny Gray and Lance Lynn. You brought in upside with Tyler Glass now. I kind of like where that is. But all of this is dependent on what the Cardinals get as their one and two. If they fail to acquire two guys that are definitively and clearly better than Lance Lynn, then the offseason's a failure. But if they do that, this is a fine number five starter that you brought in for a more than reasonable contract. I'll try and be positive because everybody accuses me of always being negative Nancy on the Cardinals. It's true. And you're right. If this is the third pitcher that the Cardinals talked about, then this is a great offseason or the great start to an offseason because Lancelin does give you innings. Lancelin is a really good piece if you're using him behind Miles Michaelis and if you've got Steven Matz pitching the way he was like if you're using Lynn as the fifth guy in a rotation it's a good spot to be in and you know he's going to eat 175 180 exactly. innings for you great but all of this is important on you making a one and two my worry and why my laugh was there this last segment and why I don't have a voice now was because I absolutely see a scenario where the Cardinals say well, we just got somebody who, at his best, if you squint real hard, can be a number two or a three in your rotation because he's been that in and the last can't. couple of they years. They can't do that. Well, they'll try. And then they've got Miles no, Michael. They'll fail, and, and we shouldn't allow them to. Like, we, we, we'll hold them accountable, damn it. Um, they, they can't sell you that. The only... Th- what is going on with your microphone, dude? It, it, <laughs> what what um, are you yelling at me for? The microphone. The, the, the Cardinals cannot sell you on Lance Lynn as anything more than the fifth best starter in this rotation. Like, full stop. They can't. Agreed. He's 30, what, six years old yeah. at this point? Nah, and last year, number. he had an ERA above five, and he allowed home. He basically made opposing hitters into Kyle Schwarber. 
which is not what you want in the year of our Lord 2023. Like, it's just not it's not a good situation to be in. But he gives you innings. And those innings are really valuable. And the Cardinals have learned their lesson at this point that we were way too cavalier about us not needing innings. Now they've learned. You just better be certain that you're getting upside because you've already got a ton of Lance Lynn's on your roster. You got a Steven Matz who probably at best is a four or five. I disagree. Zach Thompson. I mean... You could disagree all you want, but that's what this it's been these last couple they, of years. They don't, have, no upside. they don't have a guy that I can count on to start 30 games. Yeah. That's what well, they you do. You got Miles Michaelis. There's one. Without swing and miss, though. That That's the thing that I find you, so dude, great about this signing. Dude, they just need starts. Yeah. Like, from the number five spot in your rotation, if I've got certainty there, it's why I was interested in Shane Bieber. I don't think Shane Bieber's ever going to be the number one starter that he once was. But Shane Bieber is making $11 million this year. If you told me who's going to be better this season, Lance Lynn or Shane Bieber, I'd take the Bieber side. But in that scenario, you had to trade a real asset to be able to acquire him to basically fill the role of what Shane Bieber, I thought, could be for the Cardinals to not have to spend any draft capital slash prospect capital to go get it. I'm fine with this because they need guys that are going to go out there and make starts. And that's where I think it's different than Steven Matz. I can only count on 15 starts this year out of Steven Matz. I think they're going to piece that spot in the rotation together. It'll be Matz for 15. And Thompson. probably Zach Thompson for 15. So, boom, we're good in that spot. Got Lance Lynn for 30. Cool, we're good in that spot. Miles Michaelis, 30. Boom, good in that spot. You need two more. How are you getting two more now with 34, 40. $44 million? Yeah. Well, I think if you sign, we'll run through this now that you said this. Gray's going to be like 23. Yeah, okay, so then you're and down then $25 to... million dollars for Tyler Glass now, and you trade Tyler O'Neill. Boom. So now you're not doing anything with your bullpen, though. We'll see. Yeah, they might. They could trade like a bullpen. I think they added a little bit of flexibility with what they did on Friday with the non-tender. So you probably added another like seven million bucks to their offseason. Yeah, and maybe they go a little over budget and they get either two bullpen guys for five million bucks a piece, or they bring back Jordan Hicks. Let's be honest, that's probably what they're going to do. Bring the band back together. Um, But no, but to to the point on Lance Lynn here, how many teams across baseball? First off, you can't name a ton of number five starters across baseball. But how many teams across baseball can look at their number five and go, we're going to get 30 starts, 160, 170 innings, and the guy's got swing and miss? And, like, he doesn't have any upside, but you know what you're getting from him. Like, sure, he may give up a ton of home runs, but he's going to strike out probably six or seven, and he's going to go, or more than that, he's going to strike out probably eight or nine, and he's going to go six innings. Like, that can't be put in a lot of number five spots. And, like, I know the number five spot in the rotation isn't supposed to be sexy by any means, but if you can put down like in pen what you're going to get from your number five starter, that's a good start to an offseason. And again, they will be crushed if they sell him as a two. And I, I don't think they will because that would just be just dumb from the front office's point of view. Like they're not, they've made mistakes, but they're not incompetent. And I, I don't think that. So I, I think there's still moves to come for the Cardinals. I do like this deal. Lance like Lynn is for number the Cardinals five. what Sonny was for the Blues this offseason. Yeah, exactly. Like if you thought Sonny was going to come in, it'd be like a top nine forward for you. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's a problem. You you should not be signing Oscar Sundquist to fill that role. But Sonny coming in and filling the role of a number f- a fourth line center who's going to basically be the equivalent in hockey terms of what eating innings is in baseball. That's fine. And we've seen they needed that. The Blues needed that kind of a guy to get through the regular season. And it was a more than reasonable deal for him. The Cardinals just got that. Now, if That's the only thing the Cardinals do, and they go out there and they try to sell you on the idea of Lance Lynn as the second-best starter going into next year. He's your number three because they only got one upgrade in their rotation, and now they're going to go out there and you know sign a number five starter in Seth Lugo. Yeah, you guys should be furious because they cannot sell you on. They can't. And if they try to, 
you should be dismissive as hell and tell them that's not good enough. This is not what we were promised. But again, I'm I'm not going to get pre-mad. I'm going to allow them the opportunity to go out there and make the moves that are necessary. This move in and of itself, in the in a vacuum, is totally fine. As long as it comes with the necessary secondary pieces. You got to get the more important guys mm-hmm. next. I think the next one should be Sonny Gray. And then you focus on the trade market and say, see what you can do there. Yeah, I was going to say, don't oh, always that first signing. Everybody go, oh my gosh, that's the first move. I can't believe they made that move. That That's the, a lot of reaction I've seen. Is that's not a great signing. Let the offseason play out just a little bit here because it's hard to react to the first signing because he's a pitcher that should be spotted as a number five and probably will be spotted as a number five. And if that's the case, this is what the market is for number five starters. But, again, if they do make other moves and ends up he's being the two, then it's fair to crush him. But I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to get pre-mad, which I do a lot with Alex sometimes. I'm not going to get pre-mad just yet because I can't see them selling him as the number two. I just really can't. Can I can I play a mic drop for you guys real quick? Please. We've got Janet's reaction oh, on the yes. Lance Lynn signing. I'm so excited. <laughs> I just can't hide it. Lance Lynn, are you effing kidding me? <laughs> God bless you, Janet. I like to picture my Janet dancing on her uh, plastic-covered sofa to uh, that Lance Lynn signing. Somebody on the text line said, why not just keep Hudson? Because he's bad. Yeah. No swing and miss. Yeah, he's and, bad. And they want to change the model, and that's what most said over the weekend about Hudson's uh, non-tender was we didn't unlock swing and miss stuff. And that's what they want to change and want to get back to, and Lynn's got that. By the way, there are people that are just tuning in that are saying to themselves, what the hell are you guys talking about? Why are you discussing Lance Lynn? Lance Lynn is the newest and the oldest, uh, literally, St. Louis Cardinal. He's back in a Cardinals uniform. Uh, He signed a one-year contract with a team option for year two. It's basically a one-year, $11 million deal, and if they want to bring him back in 2025, they can for essentially $13 million. So the Cardinals have made it official, or the reports are suggesting that it's official. Lance Lynn is back in a Cardinals uniform. For those that are curious on, like, hey, what did Lance Lynn do yet last year? What, what were his numbers? Maybe 185 innings. Oh, okay. Gave up 44 home runs. <laughs> ended the year with a 5.7 ERA. Now, this is also a guy that the year prior had a 3.9 ERA. The year before that had a 2.7 ERA. The year before that had a 3.3 ERA. So your hope is that this was a one-off and his stuff is not completely diminished to the point where he's just never going to be the same guy again. He strikes out 23% of the batters that he faces. That is a really solid number that would have been at or near the top of the list for the Cardinals last season. Um, But he got hit really hard. He played in a couple of ballparks that were conducive to home runs and... Um, he got hurt bad by the long ball. If he's able to fix that, and by the way, the Cardinals play in a stadium that is very much preventative when it comes to home runs. Would have only allowed 42 here last year. There you go. <laughs> Would have been fine. Um, then he, he's going to be somebody that you look at at the end of the year and say to yourself, yeah, totally fine. Totally fine signing. I also like the mentality that he brings to the table. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> it's good to have that bulldog back oh here. <laughs> you know, He's going to give you innings. He's going to fight for the ball. He's not going to let Dusty. Yeah. What, what's... Uh, What's Randy call him? Dusty Memphis? Dusty Springfield, I think is what he calls him. Um, calls him calls him a name? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, Dusty Blake, he's not going to let him take the ball from him. So, I, Real quick, just so we're all clear, Ollie's the one who will take the ball from him if he goes out there, you know? Yeah, but, you yeah. know, it's actually Oh, Dusty. is Dusty the one? Oh, I didn't know that that was a thing well, now. That analytics take the ball from him. Yeah. None of those guys do. Alex, your honest-to-God reaction to this is what? 
Because it's okay if you disagree with us, man. I, like, I do. I, I just disagree. And I don't even think it's they're going to spin him as the second best pitcher. I think they're going to use the argument of, well, we just couldn't make a splash in the market. The trades wouldn't work out for us. So we'll find one guy to sign and Lancelin will be it. If you had to guess, what do you think comes next? Like, what what is for your... For the Cardinals? For, from your perspective, like from obviously not loving this signing and being concerned that this is going to be a, a big piece of the offseason. What do you think the rest of this offseason looks like for them? I think they'll sign another. I think they'll either sign or trade for another pitcher. I don't know who. I don't know of what ilk. Probably a glass now. Probably something like that. Maybe Alec Manoa. And then I think they'll buy a bullpen arm. And then I think they'll look at this and say, well, we just couldn't get much else done. So we'll see what this looks like. And then we'll reassess. So in your mind, like Tyler Glass now, Lance Lynn. And bullpen arm. Mm-hmm. That's the off season. Yeah, that would be a failure. Yeah, that, that would, would be, be a bad. massive failure. Yeah, yeah. If that I, and I, I mean, I just <laughs> and like, like I, I, I just don't see a scenario where they look at this and say, yeah, this is our third best arm. Like even Mo's been backpedaling on the three pitcher off season. No, you're right. That's true. And Lynn is not a swing man either. By nope. the way, and he. This isn't like this is a Nick and Martinez. They know side. they need bullpen help. If you're concerned, that is the thing that I would be worried about. But I think they view Tyler Glass now as half a starter. I think when they have that idea of like the two and a half in their mind, they're thinking to themselves, we're going to get 20 starts next year out of Tyler Glass now. You can't expect more than that because he's literally never thrown more than 130 innings in a season. So if you're expecting him to be something that he's never been, well, look at the past five years of the Cardinals baseball. When you expected guys to do something we had never seen from them before. So if that's the good side of things where it's like, hey, look, we got Tyler Glass now. He's our half a starter. Nice. Love it. If instead they say to themselves, okay, well, we're going to go get, you know, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez to be the front of our rotation now. And then we're going to add Seth Lugo as the half a starter or Nick Martinez as the half a starter. That is a total and complete failure of an offseason. Let me tell you what I could see happening. And you could tell me if you like this or not. They do get someone in that second tier not named Sonny Gray. So Eduardo Rodriguez, Marcus Stroman, somebody in that second tier. Non-Sunny Gray? Non-Sunny Gray. Okay. And they trade for Alec Manoa. There's your half a pitcher. Yeah, that, I mean, that would be a super disappointing offseason. And that's what right. I could see this team doing. Because you're giving up a non-commodity to get Alec Manoa, hoping that you can get the best out of him. You know, Dusty will unlock his potential. You've got Lance Lynn, who's giving you innings. And you'll get somebody in the second tier who could be up there with Miles Michaelis. Well, there you have it. Uh, the Cardinals' first move of the offseason of significance is bringing Lance Lynn back for a rotation that desperately needs innings. He provides them, and now it becomes a question of what comes next. If they end up adding a lot more, I think you're going to look back on this and say, man, decent start. Decent start to the offseason. If they don't, we're going to look back on this and say it was the moment when we knew the Cardinals weren't serious about being a contender in 2024. That's what that's say. Michael Walker's trending on Twitter right now. Yes. <laughs> Coming up next, yes. <laughs> Eli Drinkwitz. God bless him, man. I love that guy so much. What a win for the Tigers on Saturday. Oh, I was boy. in attendance. We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It'll be a top 10 tumble if he doesn't get it. Fourth down. Gotta have it, and he gets it! Luther Burton to third, and not only that, but they're in range to win it. Hook trying to shorten that distance, and the clock will stop with the completion to Miller. They can clock it here, put themselves in position to win it. Harrison Mevis, the thicker kicker, will get the drama ending he wants. I know it's the situation. 30-yard attempt by Mevis. And Mevis drills it. 33 to 31. They got the thicker kicker in position, and the fireworks are going off on senior night. Mizzou has win number nine. The surprise team of the SEC does it again. That was Joe Tessitor on the call on Saturday night as the Missouri Tigers got the ball. They added with fourth and 17 from their own 33-yard line. 38 seconds to play. No timeouts remaining. Down by one. Gotta have it. And Brady Cook comes through with a big-time play to Luther Burden. Alongside Alex and T-Bone, I'm BK. Alex, I was in attendance for the game on Saturday. They overcame the BKO. Never been more proud of my Tigers than in that moment and that was just a hell of a football game, man. I, we don't need to break down like what happened, what went wrong with the defense. We don't got to get into all the nitty gritty right now. We'll do that the rest of this week. There's plenty of time to discuss it. But sometimes you just watch a game and you're like, oh, one of these teams is finding a way to win. The other is going to find a way to lose. And that's the story of Missouri season, really. When they need it most, Sands, LSU, and Georgia. But when they need it most, they come away with these wins, man. And that has been an issue for the Eli Drinkwitz Missouri Tigers in previous seasons. But the reason why you're likely going to finish with 10 wins in the regular season this year is because you found a way in the clutch moments to come away with the biggest possible plays when they mattered most. And they did it again on Saturday. I couldn't have been happier for Brady Cook. All right, now be honest with everybody. The BKO actually didn't get uh, overcome. You left the stadium on that final drive. Absolutely not. Okay. Absolutely not. Maybe you were, were you getting food? Were you in the bathroom? Nope. When I watched the entire game. I was Brady up Cook. there in the Tiger deck. We did have free uh, free hot dogs, by the way, T-Bone. Ooh. Way to get you out to, to Furrow Field. The 300 level, yeah. top upper deck, free hot dogs, free soda pops, mm. and free popcorn. Why'd you not tell me about this when I went to the yeah. freaking South Carolina game? Yep. He, hold, he, he withholds that information. And 40 bucks to get in, free hot mm. dogs. It's all you can eat, too. You get two at a time, go over there, basically at the end of every quarter. It's great, man. I'll say the part part that I was most impressed by was the ability to realize that there was still enough time on the clock. Because last year's Tigers team, two years ago's Tiger team, that happens. Their inability to come back in that game (laughs) thinking like, yeah, we got time on the clock, but you're not going to be able to make those plays. And a lot of this is the... The offensive ability of Brady Cook, it's the play calling that Eli Drinkowitz kind of submitted, and now that they're starting to see the success right now, them driving down that field, like 
Alex two years ago watching that game thinking, cool, I'll turn it off because this game's over. Did you think they were going to be able to finish no, it off? I didn't. This this time? This time I didn't. And, oh, really? and that's, I mean, I, I text- did. I don't know why, but I had faith that they were going to do it. See, no, I mean, I texted you guys and I said, oh, cool, they lost because BK was in the stands. And then they did come back. So shame on me because this is a different Mizzou team than last year's Mizzou team or two years ago Mizzou team because that screamed upset. That screamed you're going to lose to Florida after being so good all season long. Mm-hmm. But this is, I mean, this, that was plain example, exhibit A, B, C, and D as to why this Mizzou team is different because they drove down that field and put them in a position to win. I'm not even a Mizzou fan and I had more confidence than Alex did. I I thought they were going to go down the field and score because they started to move the ball well in the second half and Flores is not a good football team and, and Missouri has proven they can do this so far this year so I I felt like I, I texted you guys after the game when when Florida scored last and took the lead I said oh that's a lot of time I was like that feels like too much time and I, I had confidence that Missouri would at least get into field goal range I didn't think they'd get as close as they did I thought maybe they'd have to rely on like another 50 yard plus field goal to walk off and win that football game but no I I had confidence for whatever reason. I think it's just because I know Burns a playmaker. When you need him to make a play like he did, he's going to, and Brady Cook's going to find him. So I, I had confidence in that one-two punch for the Tigers that they were going to drive down the field and find a way to win that football game. By the way, game. that first down conversion was massive on that drive to where to where they put themselves to where they could kick that field goal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, huge. I mean, that was the biggest play of that one the entire game. That was game. the biggest drive of Brady Cook's life. Yeah. he. I, I've never seen him look better than what he did. Like, the first couple of passes were a little errant. He had that long, deep ball that he tried to throw to Mookie Cooper, which was off. But then from the moment when he completed that pass to Luther Burden on 4th and 17 until the end of the game, you could not have executed any better than Brady Cook and the Missouri Tigers offense did in those moments. And by the way, we're getting some of this on the text line. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Somebody said, guys, it shouldn't have even been close. Florida's terrible. Okay, cool. Welcome to college football. This is the way it works, That's man. How like I felt Alabama earlier spread. this season beats Texas A&M on the road by six. Texas A&M is not good. They just fired their coach for a reason. They end up coming back home the next week, the very next week. Arkansas, who is terrible, beat them by three at home against Arkansas. LSU earlier this year. We all agree LSU is pretty good. Yeah. The two losses this year are against, or I guess I mean, three technically. Their defense isn't very good, but. agree. <laughs> but they lost to Florida State in week one. Florida State, unfortunately for them, they just lost their quarterback. But prior to that, they were expected to go to the college football playoff. Lost to Alabama, going to the college football playoff potentially. And lost on the road in a really close game, tight game against Ole Miss. Well, they beat Arkansas, again, terrible football team, at home by three points. Florida earlier this year beat Tennessee. College football is weird, man. And sometimes, especially when you just had such an emotional two-week stretch for Mizzou, you end up coming back home, you're without your two starting linebackers, and the other team's got good time, good playmakers. That's really what that game was all about. Mizzou didn't execute in the red zone well enough. Florida had a few big-time plays by their big-time playmakers, and it came down to the final whistle. And Missouri was able to make enough plays to come out of that thing with a victory. That's what college football is all about, man. Senior day, at home, big-time moment by your senior technically junior, but senior quarterback, if we didn't have COVID seasons, that was awesome. An absolutely spectacular way to uh, way to go out. Can I say one more thing, though, about being in attendance for a college football game in 2023? No. T-Bone, we're, we're past clock, right? Yep. Time for break yeah. coming up. Got a lot of questions coming in. We got to answer them. So awesome environment at Faro, first of all. The, the crowd was spectacular. College football has to talk to Major League Baseball about what they did for pace of play changes. 
The pace of play in college football is abysmal. <laughs> Guys, I feel like after every kick, it's like a five-minute break, and then you get one play, and then you go back to another four-minute break. There was a time, I think midway through the third quarter, where in a 12-minute stretch, we saw three plays of action. Three. It, it is so bad, and I love college football so much, and being in attendance at college football games is great. But right now, with how long some of these breaks are, man, and how little action you actually see consistently, it is brutal. They have got to get that thing fixed. It was like a four-hour game on Saturday night. It's insane, dude. That That is the single biggest issue that's facing college football right now. I, I can't complain, though, man. Like, I had the Mizzou game happening still in the second period of that Blues-Kings uh, oh. game. So, not good for college football fans, but for somebody who had nothing else on to watch when the Blues weren't playing, whoo-hoo, buddy. When you are at the game and you see the guy that's standing there with a big old clock next to him that just says like three minutes and 30 seconds and it's counting down. It's like, whoa, buddy. We got, we, <laughs> wait, we they, got, got, a, they got a flavor flavor at, at college football games? Yeah, it's just a, a guy that's part of the chain gang and he just goes out to Hell the middle yeah. of the field and he's just standing there. <laughs> it's like, we have two minutes and 12 seconds remaining. Real quick, T-Bone, you know who the hell I just referenced? No chance. Um, to be completely honest oh, with you, okay, I'm good. not 100% okay. paying attention. No, understandable. <laughs> I know. When I talk, that happens. Coming up next, 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe. It's BK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. Nine six four six is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. If you guys have any questions, get them in now, and we will discuss them here on 101 ESPN. Let's start out with this, guys. A little bit of news in the NFL. The New York Jets are officially making the change. Tim Boyle going to be the new starting quarterback for the Jets starting this weekend. Good. Is he is he capable of throwing a football and not falling when he walks backwards like Zach Wilson does? Everybody should be fired for not trading for Josh Dobbs. Yeah. I don't understand how that happened. Yeah. They really watched Zach Wilson for multiple games. We're like, we're fine. We're good here. Well, it's embarrassing. Yeah, Robert Sala should be fired for that. I mean, like, how do you not demand a trade when you're you can't keep sitting there and spewing the nonsense of, no, we've got Zach Wilson's back. He's going to be fine. Yeah, I, the, the front office did them dirty uh, on this one and they're they're an afterthought now yeah. in an AFC that is crumbling around them they should have been a team that you could count on to get to the playoffs because their defense is that good and if they had Josh Dobbs I think they would have but instead now you're going with Tim Boyle who's terrible he's not going to be good like this is not going to work out for them Whoa, but he, he might be better than Zach Wilson because Zach Wilson is one of the worst starting quarterbacks I've ever seen in the NFL before and they, they could not continue going with that. They would have lost their locker room. They probably already have. Uh, yeah, they've already lost that locker room. Yeah. All right. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service X line uh, as we continue along here. By the way, the news of the day, Lance Lynn is signing with the St. Louis Cardinals. It's a one-year, $11 million deal with an option for 2025 uh, from the 314. Guys, right now in the Cardinals rotation, do the Cardinals have a pitcher that is worse than Lance Lynn? No. He'll be the worst one in the current rotation. Matthew Libertor. I don't view him as being a part of the rotation, well, but yeah, if you know, does they saw things last season at the end that said, Hey, he could compete in spring training. I'd say the guys that are currently ahead of him would be Michaelis and Mats. And then he's your third starter today. And honestly, <laughs> because Thompson that's your rotation. Yeah. I'd yeah. put Thompson ahead. Of would him. you? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. think he's better than 
Lynn right now, but Lynn is a capable number five. And if he ends up being the number five, this is what this signing actually means. Then they did what I wanted them to do all offseason, which was sign three starters. And then you have a capable number six in Zach Thompson. Uh, 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. Uh, Guys, what do you expect the Cardinals to do now? Now that they have Lance Lynn, what do you think the other two starters are that the Cardinals are going to acquire? Somebody in tier two and somebody that they acquire via trade. I don't and I don't think it's going to be Sonny Gray, especially if Atlanta, although now it sounds like they're making Ronaldo Lopez a starter. So maybe Sonny Gray's. I feel like that's like remember when the Cardinals made Jordan Hicks a starter or when they went into every offseason and they were like, hey, all of our bullpen arms are now starters. And then yeah. you got to open like, hey, Rosenthal's well. going to start. Yeah, it worked out well for him that They're season. All arms. But I think it's going to be somebody. Maybe you still get have a chance with Sonny Gray, but it's going to be somebody in tier two. And then you're going to trade for somebody. I don't think it's going to be Tyler Glass now. I think it's going to be a little lesser than that. Somebody who's got upside, though. I. So I think they're going to still target Sonny Gray, and he may be the next signing. But then I think they're going to trade for the number one. I, I think they're going to target. I think Glass now is the guy. I, I do too. Um, because I think I think Cease would cost you Gorman. Glass now is not. Glass now would probably cost you like a Burleson, something in that range potentially, depending on what the bidding war ends up becoming. But I, I think it's probably going to be Glass now, and Gray would be my guess right now. Something like that feels right. Uh, Glass now and Gray, Glass now and Rodriguez, Glass now, and I don't think they'll do it, but like Stroman. That that second tier that you were talking about, Alex, I, I could see them signing one guy from that range and trading for Tyler Glass now. So that way you've got the certainty of the innings from that tier two starter plus Lance Lynn, and you've got the upside of being a capable game one starter in a postseason series, which is true in Tyler Glass now. You guys want some more Cardinals news? Sure. They really are bringing the band back together. You ready for this? I'm serious. Katie Wu just tweeted out that they have hired Daniel Descalzo to be a part of the coaching staff. Oh, that's a good hire. That makes sense. So I'm actually... T-Bone, we, we talked about this previously. I would have been surprised if they didn't. So now they higher. just need to hire John Jay, sign Michael Waka and Joe Kelly. Why not doing the exact same thing that you did in 2013 with the same team? I'm in. I, I mean, I'm not. I like this hire. Yeah, I'm not sure. Sh- I don't know what his role yeah, is. Yeah, it says yet, that they don't. They haven't defined it, but they're still finalizing the uh, staff. So he doesn't have like official assistant title. Coach. Yeah. I mean, we like know. Focusing on uh, infield defense or yeah, something. We, we know that. Descalso and Jay are close friends. In fact, I think they co-own a company, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. I don't remember what the company's called. Um, but we've seen Descalso before, like just peek behind the curtain when BK and I have been at the ballpark before. We've seen Descalso there talking with Ollie Marmol. I think those two have a They're really like tight relationship. really good friends. Yeah, I, want, I think they may have played together in the minors. I think so. Um, I, I'll have to double check that. But I think that's where their connection comes from. So, like, hey, if you're bringing on somebody that Ollie trusts, and again, I don't know the role. I don't think it's probably anything that's, like, super significant. Good for Daniel Descalso and good for the Cardinals. So I will say this. One of the things that the Cardinals really flaunt is that they like their connection to their history. And I think that they got away from that a little bit in recent years. Now, I don't think that's why they have fallen into this horrendous stretch of baseball. I I don't think that's the specific reason. I think there's a lot of reasons, most notably the pitching well dried up. That's really what you can tie it all back to. But I don't think it helps. I don't think it helps that they let Chris Carpenter go elsewhere. I don't think it helps that Izzy had a lesser role within the organization. Like 
These are guys that you want to continue to be around your players. Daniel Descalso, it's going to help to have him around. Yadier Molina, it's going to help potentially if he ends up joining the staff in a meaningful way to have him around Wilson Contreras on a regular basis. Like those are those are things that I think are, are positive developments for the Cardinals. So I like this. I like this. I don't know that you needed to bring Lance Lynn back for that specific reason, but him oh. having a greater than a strikeout per inning, it helps. And throwing 180 innings for you, it doesn't hurt. And Lynn has, I think you've brought this up before, the stat where somebody that they haven't, Cardinals haven't had a guy that's won a World Series with them um, on their been roster. To World Series, yeah. been, been to a World Series. Lynn's been to a World Series. He was technically on that 2011 team, got called into a game by accident. 2013 too, um, right? Yeah, and he was a part of the 2013. Did he have Tommy John that year? He may have actually. I think he pitched that year. Yeah, I think he pitched. He that was year. on the team in 2013. Okay, I can remember. He had Tommy, Tommy John, John in 16. Okay, I knew he had Tommy John as a Cardinal. I can remember when. But so there you go. Going back to your roots, and I bring in championship caliber experience from a starter. And Lynn was a top in the top three of that rotation when he was here in 2013. So yeah, it makes sense. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we'll get into some NFL quick hitters. But coming up next, how does the Cardinals offseason plan change now that Noel is off the board and you have one player in in place now with Lance Lynn being a part of the Cardinals rotation? We'll get into it next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Here, here's the thing. Cardinals fans are going to be just ho-hum about it, probably, because they're expecting the bigger signing. Those bigger signings aren't coming at this point in the winter. Like we said, relievers or back-end starters you need to have a little patience here, if you're Cardinals fans, on what mm-hmm. they're going to do to sign more starting pitchers. They've said they want two bona fide starters. Does this count as one of those? I don't think so. I think they're trying to find two others in addition to having Lance Lynn get, provide them depth. That is what it sounded like on MLB Network Radio as Jim Duquette gave his analysis of the Cardinals' decision to sign, re-sign technically, bring back Lance Lynn on a one-year deal with a team option for year number two. It's $11 million is what's guaranteed in this. Alongside Alex and T-Bone, I'm BK. You got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. So there's been two significant moves over the last 24-plus hours now that affects the Cardinals going into 2024. One. Aaron Nola signed yesterday. He's going back to Philly. It sure sounds like it was never really an option for the Cardinals or, frankly, anybody else. He wanted to be back there. The Phillies made him a priority. Bada boom, bada bing. He's going back to the Phillies. Two, Lance Lynn has signed. One-year deal, $11 million. Woohoo! yeah. Nobody's getting overly joyous about this. Nobody. Not any of us here in this room. Well, we just got to be patient. Probably none of you guys out there either. I also have no problem with it. I don't have an issue with them bringing back Lance Lynn in a vacuum, but it puts more pressure on them to make sure that the front two end starters that they're going to go out there and get. I agree with what Duquette said there. This cannot count as one of the two bonafide starters that they were talking about adding. This is the third guy. This is the extra piece. This is the, uh, the icing on the cake, right? The, the cherry on top of the Sunday, however you want to phrase it. That's what this has to be for them. If it's more than that, if this is like the second or third best starter in your rotation next year, then it's been an awful offseason and they should trade everybody and fire everybody. I don't think that's what they're going to do, though. I'd be really shocked if they say, you know what, this is our offseason plan is to bring in 
Lance Lynn and Alec Manoa and James Paxton. You guys ready? Get excited. Cardinals baseball is back, baby. Woohoo! I don't think that's what they're going to do. So as long as they go out there and make significant additions in front of Lynn and Michaelis and Steven Matz, I think this is fine. The intriguing part with it is how that's going to get done, because now that Aaron Nola is off the table, um, and I think we're all on the same page that Yamamoto seems very, very, very unlikely, you're down to two other guys, and one of those, I think you really have to you have to supplement him with another top, top, top-tier starter. And what I mean by that is Sonny Gray, because Blake Snell, and that's going to be tough because you got to sell him on St. Louis over the big markets if those are there, and if you get Sonny Gray... Well, you can't take a significant dip from Sonny Gray down into like the fourth tier and bring in that other starter. So without Aaron Nola available, it really does dwindle down the amount of pitchers that are available to match that in free agency, which forces you back into the trade conversation. And they made the decision to keep Yvonne Herrera on this roster. So that takes away a trade chip that I thought was going to be available to him. So big picture, I absolutely agree. You can make this a great offseason by signing two guys, but now your options are starting to dwindle really fast, and you do not want to be standing there when everyone else gets their guy and you saying, well, we got Lance Lynn. Now, how are we going to get? Because that forces you into paying the price that other teams demand from you, which is going to be an overpay. Yeah, I, I think they are definitely setting themselves up to probably get the one from the trade market. I, I think once Nola signed, I think it became pretty clear that the number one's probably going to have to come from the trade market. Glass now, Cease. If Seattle moves like a Gilbert, maybe you're there, but I don't think they're going to. I, I think where the signing looks good is if you bring in like a Sonny Gray or someone from that second tier. You know, if they signed Rodriguez or um, Imanaga, then I would be fine with that. And then you trade for the number one. But that's that's the way that you kind of complete this offseason. Now you've kind of set just the – you've got that little small – that little thing that's on that to-do list, that very tiny that you had to take care of. You can check that off. Now you got to go out and you got to go get the guys that are in front of them because the goal still this offseason – and Lynn doesn't fit this category by any means. The goal still this offseason is you got to find two pitchers that are ahead of Miles Michaelis in your rotation, and that is what they are got to be searching for right now. Kind of reminds me of, like, Pat Maroon coming back with the Blues when he did in 2018. And let me explain this a little bit. Because Lynn's got a beard just like him? <laughs> no, that, that offseason. Because big rig? You remember the way that it all kind of worked out, right? They had the Tyler Bozak signing was the first one that they made. That would be the equivalent of, like, signing Sonny Gray. Then they make the big trade later on. I think it was in that same day, if I'm not mistaken, for Ryan O'Reilly at the end of the day. And then later on that summer, they bring in the big rig, Pat Maroon, for his homecoming here with St. Louis. Now, the headliner of that offseason was Ryan O'Reilly, but it, it all happened out of order in terms of what took place and when. You had three significant forward additions that offseason. Was that the same year that they brought in David Perron as mm-hmm, well? Mm-hmm. So you had four, really, significant additions to to the forward group that offseason. And you got differing levels of excitement about all of them. The initial reaction from Blues fans was not positive when they signed Tyler Bozak to that deal. Because, like, man, you're signing a number two or number three center for a team that needs a number one center. And if you don't go get that guy... This is going to be a super disappointing offseason. Well, eventually they did. They got Ryan O'Reilly and everything kind of fell into place from there. And they also needed a fourth line presence. Well, Pat Maroon could be that guy. Pat Maroon was for that Blues team what I think the Cardinals are hoping Lance Lynn can be for the Cardinals this year. Now, I don't know if he's capable of it. I have no idea. He had a terrible ERA last year and gave up 44 home runs. It's a really bad season by Lance Lynn. But personality-wise... 
He's exactly what they feel like they were missing. They needed the rusty nail in the room once again. I don't know if that's going to change much for them, but it might. It might be the type of things that unlocks what they needed out of that room to hold other guys accountable for what they're doing. Their actions have to be held accountable in that room. And then if you also add in, hey, we need innings. We need one guy that we can count on to go out there and give us 180 innings. That for the Cardinals rotation is essentially what we need a guy that we can just trust. He's going to go out there and do exactly what we need from him on the fourth line on any given night. He's going to stick up for his teammates when he's out there on the ice. That's what Pat Maroon was brought in here to do. And if he can bring a little offense, great. You've been in big games like this is the guy that we want to have as a part of our unit. That's essentially what they're trying to do here with Miles or with uh, Lance Lynn. I don't know if it's going to work, but I like it as a third best option. But you need to go out there and get your version of Tyler Bozak, your version of Ryan O'Reilly. And if you fail to do that, then you won't be able to have the success that the Blues obviously. Yeah, I love the comp, but are you prepared to trade your equivalent of Tage Thompson to get that star power? They need to. You're going to have to. Or you go the other route and you say, no, we're not willing to do that. But we'll go get Tyler Glass now. It's a lesser cost. You're not going to have to go get like Dylan Cease would be this offseason's version of Ryan O'Reilly probably. So instead of doing that, would I be willing to trade like Dylan Carlson or Alec Burleson who are fringe prospects at this point in their respective careers and add a little something to that to go get Tyler Glass now? Yeah, I would be willing to do that. I think if they sign Sonny Gray, Tyler Glass now and trade for Tyler Glass now and sign Lance Lynn. It's like a B-plus offseason if you the get hard the right part. bullpen additions. you got to hope you can get Sonny Gray. And now with no Nola on the board and more teams involved on that pitcher because they view him as the next best yeah, thing go up do there it. with Blake Snell. Go do it. That, I, I and think there's where my skepticism comes in. Totally fair. They've earned that. I think Sonny Gray is actually your Ryan O'Reilly. Like it, It's not via trade. This time it's via free agency. I, Sonny Gray's a really good pl- player, man. He is. I know that people have pooped all over the idea of signing him. You look out at the free agent market right now, the guy that I would feel the best about for the Cardinals next year, and we can talk about two, three, four, five years down the road, but for next year, Yamamoto one. Number two is Sonny Gray. If you told me I could have any of these pitchers that are available on the free agent market and I'm putting them into the Cardinals rotation for next year, don't even worry about the money. Who's the guy that you feel best about will give you good quality innings? My answer is Sonny Gray to that. And so for me... If I'm John Mosellock, I am now turning my attention fully to Sonny Gray and saying, what do we need to do to get this done by Thanksgiving? We want the next three days. Let's hammer out a deal. We'll bring you to St. Louis and we will make you a $24 million a year pitcher. Is that too much? Yeah. Are we doing it over three years? Yeah. Is it worth it because we have to get a guy in here on that kind of a contract? Yes, it's absolutely worth it. And now you're doing what the Blues did by going over the top and going to get the guy that you absolutely need. Well, that was a blue team that said they're ready to win a Stanley Cup, yeah. and the Cardinals need to have that mindset if absolutely. they're going to do that. 100%. And, and though they don't like to be in bidding wars, he's kind of the guy that I don't mind the bidding war for because it's a short-term contract. You know, it's a three-, four-year deal. It's not like you're negotiating a seven-, eight-year deal. Even who knows what Yamamoto's deal could look like. But I also like it, too, because if you do go out and you say, you know what, let's hammer out a deal for Sonny Gray, who cares if we're in a bidding war for the Braves? At least you then can go, if your plan is to trade for the number one, you can go, okay, we were planning on 22 mil on the AAV. You know what? We had to go a little bit above that. We had to go 24. Well, at least now you have like the idea of, okay, here's where we're at with our offseason still. Here's what we can still spend. We've knocked out the biggest signing we're going to do this offseason, and we've got X amount to go fill that bullpen spot, and then we can still go and trade for that number one starter. So I, I like the idea of Sonny Gray being the number one target right now, and he is, to your point on the free agent market, he is definitely the guy that I look at that has 
basing what I think the contract's going to look like and the way he performs has the least amount of risk attached to him. Yamamoto, a lot of people say, well, does he have a lot of risk? Well, you don't know how he's going to translate when he gets over here, and he's going to sign a seven, eight-year deal worth $200 million. Blake Snell, he could be like the Carlos Rodon contract, which just goes a terribly bad from the get-go. Gray's the guy that has the least amount of risk still attached to him right now on the market. So the other thing that we're getting a little bit uh, on the text line, 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line to get involved in the show. Guys, the Cardinals let Dakota Hudson walk to sign a worse pitcher than Dakota Hudson. Please make it make sense. I, I I'll mean, even push back on that one. And I'm I, I'm skeptical of the Lance Lynn signing, but sure. like, look at like last year was a bad year for Lance Lynn. Look at the two previous years when he was 34 and 35 years old for the exact same team. Then go look at Dakota Hudson's previous two years. That th- they're not even a, a comparison. If you think you can figure out the home run issues for Lance Lynn. I don't know if they can or not, but he was he was better with the Dodgers than he was with the White Sox. And let's be honest, everybody sucked for the White Sox last year. So I don't know if that was a Lance Lynn problem or a White Sox problem. Could have been a little bit of both. If you can figure those out and just make him from being the worst starting pitcher in Major League Baseball by a wide margin in home runs to just like one of the worst pitchers when it comes to giving up home runs, he is significantly better than Dakota Hudson. Dakota Hudson last year, if you're looking at the K's per nine innings, was at five, which was the exact same number as a year prior as well. He doesn't strike anybody out. And oh, by the way, he walks a ton of batters as well. He has the same walk rate as Lance Lynn, but Lance Lynn has double the strikeout rate. This is where Major League Baseball is going, guys, and it puts way more pressure on your defense if you've got a guy like Dakota Hudson. And oh, by the way, I don't know if I can trust him to be on the mound every fifth day. So when you add all of those things up, I do think they significantly upgraded from from Dakota Hudson. They added more certainty than what they had last year with Adam Wainwright. It's just it's a more comfortable situation if you're the Cardinals, as long as he's the fifth starter. If he's more than that, if he's asked to be something that he is not capable of being at this point in his career, then the Cardinals have failed. But I do think that this makes a lot of sense if they were going to move on. Basically, take the Dakota Hudson and Jake Woodford money, combine it, and then probably throw in the Andrew Kisner money as well, honestly. Put those salaries together and throw that towards Lance Lynn. I think that's a perfectly fine trade-off. I got no problem with that at all. Until yeah. Dakota Hudson goes out and deals this year, then everyone's well, like, "Man, you should have kept Dakota Hudson." That that won't happen. I can I I can hit the guarantee button on that one. We'll see. Here comes Tampa Bay. My God, it's the Rays. <laughs> yeah, that makes all the sense <laughs> in the world. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we at this point know exactly who the St. Louis Blues are. We'll discuss that and what it means for them in the long term coming up in about 15 minutes. But next time for some NFL quick hitters here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's dive into some NFL quick hitters alongside Alex and T-Bone. I'm BK. You got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. If you missed it earlier, we did announce that the uh, the big news in the NFL is that the Jets are benching Zach Wilson. I'm sure this is going to go super well. Tim Boyle going to start at quarterback for them on Black Friday against the Dolphins. Do the Jets win another game this year? Are they just done? This is it. Game over. Well, when's Aaron Rodgers coming back? Apparently uh, December, if they're in it. We'll see. Like week 16, I think I read. Like, oh, that's smart. Bring them back for a game and then miss the playoffs. They've got Miami, Atlanta, Houston, Miami, Washington, maybe. 
Cleveland and New England. Do you think the moment that they said, okay, we got to be done with Zach Wilson is when he fell walking backwards on the field? I should have been. Yeah. Like this guy literally can't even walk with his two the feet. The Bills defense has been terrible. He had 81 passing yards yesterday. <laughs> they can't even get Brees Hall going. I know. Brees Hall had 20 yards on the ground yesterday. Yeah. I think that's 20. why they're going with Tim Boyle. It's like, hey, we just need somebody who can like check down the ball to Brees Hall. It's all we need. So that's what we got there. Yeah, they're done. They can win one more, though. So your bet's officially over. I play New England. Oh, my bet was over when Joe Burrow got hurt. Oh, no, man. They had a chance, though, no, remember? No, no, no. My bet was game over. I still can't get over how you just lit money on fire. Yeah, I was going to say, that bet was failure when it started. Didn't work. That happens. You know what You know what defines a good bet? Winning. Well, I mean, not all winning bets are good bets. Not all losing bets are bad bets. About the process, baby. I can't even say what word I want to describe this bet without an FCC violation. Okay, well, well we will continue the along then with some NFL quick hitters. Guys, who is the current favorite in your mind in the AFC South? The Jaguars or the Texans? I feel like this changes every week depending on yeah. how they play. Uh, mine's still the Texans. And I know that C.J. Stroud looked human this past week, still won the game, but through, what, three interceptions? Yeah. I'm just not buying the Jaguars. I, I think one good week of the Jaguars doesn't doesn't solve what we've seen from start to finish, where at least the Texans, I know it's been consistent. Their offense is unbelievable. It's their defense is, is the problem. So I say the Texans are the better team. Big game this weekend, by the way. They play one another yep. on Sunday. And the Texans already beat them once. Yep. This is a big weekend then for division games because Seattle's <laughs> got San Francisco on Thanksgiving night. Oh, that one doesn't matter. Whoa. <laughs> Seahawks are done, dude. I'm sorry. For some of us, we need the Seahawks to win that division. <laughs> yeah, that, that's On the an crap. actual good bet. That's the crap division. <laughs> um... I'm still going to go with Jacksonville. I, I think it's more of a gut feel than anything, but I, for whatever reason, I still don't trust the Texans 100%. Now, I don't really trust the Jaguars, but the Texans feel like that team that just kind of rides this roller coaster of emotion where for three weeks they're really good, and then for two or three weeks you go, eh, you know, there's a lot of question marks around this team. You mentioned Stroud did look a little human this weekend, but I, he still played pretty well. So I, I don't know. what For whatever reason, I just don't trust the Texans' defense just yet. That's where I'm at. I think they're maybe a year away, so I'm going to side with Jacksonville, but I still think Houston makes the playoffs. That's my thing. I, I trust the Jaguars' defense more. I think that they are just the, the better overall team. Now, that being said, man, if you lose this weekend, you are essentially a game back of Houston, despite the fact that you'll be tied in terms of your records. Because to your point, Alex, they'll have the tiebreaker over you, winning two uh, two games head-to-head against the Jaguars. I think Jacksonville ends up winning this one. I know it's on the road, but I think they find a way to come away with a victory. And if they do, I think they will end up winning this division by a couple of games. I, I just think they're the slightly better team. I think the Texans still might make the playoffs. It'll just be in a wild card capacity as opposed to by winning the division. All right, as we continue along with some NFL quick hitters here, which coach, in your guys' opinion currently maintains the hottest seat in the NFL. Ron Rivera, Brandon Staley, or Frank Reich? Which of those three is on the hottest seat right now? Oh, I think it's it's Brandon Staley. And I, I loved his little rant oh, after God. the game. He gets so I love when a bad coach who probably should not be in that position has like some type of fiery take at a reporter for asking. You could stop asking me who's calling the defensive plays. I'm calling the defensive plays. Yeah, and it's been a problem, Brandon. Uh, he's the hottest seat. He's gone after this year. And frankly, like, just stop the bleeding and rip the Band-Aid off now and fire him. I, I would do the same thing. Put an offensive. Like, you're seeing uh, at least a Raiders team that the reports are like the locker room is now at least bought back in. If you're the Chargers, your locker room is done with this Brandon Staley experiment. Put 
Kellen Moore in charge and just yeah. say, let's see if we can make some magic. Yeah, I, I think it's Staley for sure. I I would have fired him too after that loss. I would turn the keys over to Kellen Moore because he's an offensive mind. Yeah. And he's been viewed across the NFL as a potential head coaching candidate. Yep. And this is why I've said this about Belichick, and I'm still shocked he's coaching the Patriots at this point. You have guys that are potential head coaching candidates. For the Patriots, it's uh, Jonathan Mayo. Give these guys a six-game run as head coach. See what happens. Maybe you find out like the Raiders are. Hey, the Raiders may have found their head coach of the future. Probably not. Yeah, maybe. no. I, I well, think they'll probably hire somebody else who comes in and fails, yeah. and then they'll look back on it and go, man, we should have just kept the guy that was winning, just I, like they did last I time Antonio with Pierce Josh is, McDaniels. I think Pierce is doing what Jeff Saturday did with the Colts last season, where you get a you get some momentum, the players kind of run the show, and then you say, okay, good enough, let's actually get a competent head coach. Agreed. But I, I do like that they at least tried. Yeah. yeah. You can't keep banging your head against the wall and thinking that it's going to change. It's not going to, man. I liked Brandon Staley when they hired him. I thought it was a good hire. It's failed. It's clearly failed. I'm going through puberty here at the age of 31. Hey, man, I hear you. You just gave up 325 passing yards against Love. It's over. And made him look like a franchise quarterback. And that dude has been so bad. He's terrible. He's a really bad starting quarterback. And you made him look like Aaron Rodgers was back with the Green Bay Packers. It's time to move on. It's time to move on from the Chargers. I'm totally with you And those other teams like Rivera, guess what? Uh, Your quarterback kind of stinks. And you traded away both your defensive players. You're going to be bad this year. Uh, For the the Patriots with Bill Belichick, like, you're going to be bad. Might as well stick with it for the rest of the season. The Chargers legit still have a shot in that AFC West. Let's continue with some AFC conversation. Which team currently on the outside looking in is most likely to make the playoffs in the AFC? The Bills, the Broncos, the Colts, the Raiders, or the Chargers? So basically the AFC West, the Bills, or the Colts? I'll say the Bills because I think they still have, despite Josh Allen's up and down season, the most talented roster from all of those. I'm not buying into the Broncos, not buying into the Raiders, even with um, whatever they're still trying to figure out. I'll buy into the Bills offense. I mean, that game that they just did against the Jets, the Jets still have a pretty good defense, and the Bills found a way to do that without Stephon Diggs, by the way. So I'll say the Bills can still figure it out. I think I'm with you. I, I think Buffalo. Can I tell you their schedule first before you guys go down I, this path? I know it's difficult. Yeah, I know it's tough. Eagles on the road, Chiefs on the road, oh, Cowboys yeah. at home, at the Chargers, and then you finish out with New oh, England man. and at Miami. They'll prove to uh, BK that the Bills are the better team in the AFC than the Chiefs. I mean, it's Chiefs. tough to find more than two or three wins in that. Yeah, but the reason I'm going to have faith in them rather than like the Colts is their quarterback. Now, granted, their quarterback can be the reason they end up maybe not even winning a game on that stretch, but... We've seen it before. Josh Allen gets hot. He can get hot for a five, six game span, and he can help them beat the Eagles. He can help them beat the Chiefs. And he could also potentially cost them a game against the Patriots. But you know what? When you've got Josh Allen, you live with the highs and you die with the lows. He could get really hot, could push them themselves in the playoffs. And for the Colts, like if they had Richardson, I'd probably take the Colts. Yeah, well, but they've got Gardner Minshew, and I don't trust him at all. Of all those other teams that you mentioned, not named the Bills, what's the reason you'd believe that they could do it? It's the Broncos, man. Why? They know who they are, and they're not trying to be anything more. And, like, at this point in the AFC, that might be enough. They're pretty well coached. They're limiting their stupid mistakes, and they're playing okay defense. Like, their upcoming schedule, Cleveland. Oh, I don't think they score a point in that game. Houston, well, I mean, that. I would expect Houston to be able to outscore them. But at the Chargers, I think they could beat the Chargers. They play them twice down the stretch, New England and the Raiders. I could see them winning 
four, maybe five games down the stretch, and you find them at like nine and eight, and they're the last team getting into the playoffs. I think that's ultimately, I, I think it might come down to them and the Chargers and whoever wins those games between them and the Chargers ends up making the postseason. And I'm certainly not going to pick the Chargers in those scenarios because they're poorly coached. They've got a terrible coach on their sidelines. And I, I think that Denver has figured out, okay, what are we capable of? Let's just do that. Nothing more. What and, are we capable of? Dumping it off to the running back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Making a couple plays in the passing game, playing pretty quality defense, running the ball. Bleeding out the clock, winning these games twenty-one to twenty, just I, like last. They'll night. have one I of those dumb. The it's terrible. They'll it's have not one of those fun. dumb mistakes soon, though. Like it's just them, a matter of time. The Steelers, the Browns, um, they're they're all basically watching the same team to differing degrees. And now Bengals probably going to fit into that criteria as well with their new quarterback in there. They're not fun. They're they're super boring, but. It's been effective more often than not, unfortunately, for those teams. All right, coming up in about 15 minutes, we'll dive into the junk drawer. But next, I think we're starting to learn, much like the Broncos, exactly who the Blues are. What does that mean for them in the grand scheme of things? We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Sunquist bar wing score neighbors goals in back-to-back games for the first time in his career on a great steal by Sunquist with the assist one nothing blues 10 35 to go in the first that's what it sounded like right here on 101 ESPN as Jake neighbors puts in another one in the back of the net alongside Alex and T-Bone I'm BK you got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN Alex Jake neighbors is quietly on pace right now for 20 goals this season now he's also on pace for 20 points uh this season because he is yet puck. to have an assist on the year that's fine no harm no foul he'll be fine he's having a Brandon Saad type of a season and Alex, I make that comparison for a reason, because you mentioned before the show earlier today that he reminds you at this point in his career of another blue that we're watching right now. Yeah, I mean, to me, he reminds me of Brandon Saad in the early portion of his career. And I understand Brandon Saad was a uh, 23-31 goal scorer in what is 22-23 year old season, but also take into context who he was playing with. He was playing with superstar players in Jonathan Taves and, and uh, Patrick Kane, but they play eerily similar roles because both know where the goals are at for him and it's in front of the net. Brandon Saad was never a guy that scored off of the rush. Brandon Saad was a guy that would be in front of the net and the the havoc around the goaltender would be created because he would be that power forward style and I, I, maybe I could hear the argument that Brandon Saad's got a little bit of a better shot than Jake Neighbors but the style that those two played are eerily similar to me so and when you look at how Craig Berube utilizes him right now, it's to be the identity player for the Blues. Think Alexander Steen, think Oscar Sundquist in 2019. That's what the role they're putting on Jake Neighbors is this season. But now he's showing the ability to create offense by himself. And that's why I could see a little Brandon Saad of it. Is he ever going to be a 30 goal scorer? No, but I think you could consistently see 20 to 25 goals. Late career Alex Steen is what he reminds me of. Yeah. Now, I, I don't know what that means for his upside because he's obviously a young player, whereas Steen was on the back end of his career. It, maybe there's more there than what Steen was at the back end of his career for, for neighbors long term. But he just you said it right. He's an identity player right now. I think the Blues identity currently is tied into two pieces. 
It's Jake Neighbors, and it's Oscar Sundquist. Now, I don't know if that's a good thing or not, that your identity is essentially tied into two fourth liners, and they, they're they the engine, uh, again, of what the Blues are trying to do overall. I think we know exactly who this team is now, man. Now, that is both for the good and the bad. They are a team that is going to grind out their opponents when they have their system in place, their structure in place. Things look pretty good for them on most nights. They play one style where if they get the lead, they're probably going to maintain the lead. They're probably going to win the game. If they don't get the lead early on, they're not going to recapture the lead. They're not going to come from behind. And you kind of know either you could turn off the game or just have it as background uh, music as you're, you're listening at home. But that's who this team is, man. And that's a lot of it because of who they are with a grinding style mentality. I... It's not always the most aesthetically pleasing, but man, it's a lot more effective than what they were trying to do last year where they were this like rush offense for one line and another line was trying to win with a cycle game and then another line would try to do something completely different and there would be different nights where different lines were working, but almost never all three lines were working together. For the most part, I, I think this team's okay. It's like a slightly above average team, and they're probably going to be battling for like the fourth best spot in the Central Division because of the way that they play. Yeah, I think they're they're still a playoff team despite the losses to the LA Kings and the San Jose Sharks. I think that was the prototypical game that we've seen at times this season. They don't come out to a good enough start in the first period. They find themselves down by two, three goals, and they can't come back from it. They actually played decent in the second and third period of that L.A. Kings game. It's just you couldn't get back into the hockey game. We always ask what the identity of the Blues is. We've been asking it for two years, trying to find this new identity. We're starting to see the identity, and the identity is they're a team that when they lead – is going to win a hockey game because they can play the tight checking. They can continue to push offense, but teams struggle to find ways to get ahead of the St. Louis blues. But when they're down in a game, they don't have the mental strength to push back and the power play. That's well, the biggest yeah. thing. Like the, the, you've got to be able to score goals on the power play to come back in these games, and the Blues don't do that. Well, not only do they not do that, They're but they, they allow shorthanded goals on the power play, or they allow power play goals, and both bit the Blues and the Sharks and the Kings game. So you're a retooling team, and JR had the piece talking about the impact of Craig Berube, and he said it at the beginning. Like, let's understand where they are. They are in this retool. And you're telling me that a team went from one year being the worst team defensively in the NHL to now being a team that is very capable of winning 2-1 hockey games, 3-1 hockey games in the third period. That's progress. And if the the slip-ups right now are for a team that when you're trailing in a hockey game, you struggle to come back, fine. Because that's, that's the growth period you're talking about with certain players and kind of how their seasons go about. But for right now... This is a good place to be in for the Blues, despite the up and ups and downs. It's a good place to be in long term. I, I don't know about for like the here and now, if it really matters which way you go. But for the long term, the reason why is because what we said before the season, Alex, you're stuck with these defensemen. Like you're you're not getting out of these contracts. There's really no way to do so. Pareko, Falk, Krug, Letty, they're going to be here. They got full no trade clauses. They're making a bunch of money. Those are guys that are going to be in your defensive core in some way, shape, or form for like the next two years at a minimum. So if this looked as bad defensively as it did a year ago, who buddy are the Blues in a bad place? Because you can't upgrade from them because you're stuck. You're stuck with these guys on your blue line defensively. You, you have got no way to make it work. And now you're, you're probably going into a full-blown rebuild. But because they can make it work defensively this year, 
Now you look at the forward group and you're like, okay, we got a lot of placeholders in here. Like, I don't know what Verona's future holds. Probably not here. I don't know what Kapanen's future holds. Maybe it's here. Maybe it's elsewhere. I don't know what they're going to do with some of these other spots in the lineup. Bucinavich, is he here for the long haul or is he here for one more year? Is he here just for this year? I, I don't know. The reason why that matters is because this offseason, when you do have a little bit more cap space for the first time in like four years, you could potentially go to the market and either make trades or make free agent acquisitions. And you've got Snuggerud coming. You've got Bullduke coming. You've got Dvorsky coming. You've got options that you could see how it ends up working out for your forward group. That's not the case defensively. It's like, hey, maybe Scott Perunovic is something for us. But other than that, you ain't got a whole lot going in terms of your defensive core. That could have been an upgrade going into this offseason. Yeah, and, and I mean, short term, who knows? Uh, I still think you're a playoff team, mostly because the Western Conference below you just has been really bad. And I, I mean, if you're playing like this, you're talking about certain areas to try and fix and you could be a little bit more competitive. Long term is the part for me that this is massive because you found a style and a structure. You figured out how to play the hockey that Craig Bruby wants you to play. And it's showcasing the ability to do it with the same defense that you had last year that was so bad so and I talked about this on post game like you give me two give me two teams one team that only wins because of their offense and defensively they're just a shell of themselves but hey you know they're going to find ways to put six or seven goals up that's the style that they play and another team that has a structure in place defensively despite having guys who were the worst in the NHL last season now they've got a style in place defensively that you know works there they can be stingy and the offense comes throughout the season. I'd rather take that one because long-term, I know that some of those contracts come off. I know that, or you expect that you get a little bit better on the defensive side, but the structure in place is, in, is where it needs to be. And for me, that's this Blues team right now. And you're talking about in this situation, this right? situation this right now, like roster, you are seeing this cap situation, all of that. You are seeing a team that was le- one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League in terms of goals allowed last season, and they lived vicariously through their offense. It was only how they were winning games. Now you took that same team and made them a team that is very stingy to play against. They're eight zero when they lead going into the third period. They weren't that last season. Going into the third period, they were coughing up leads. Yep. They've outscored their opponent in the third period when leading thirteen to three. So you know that they can be stingy. I would much rather oh, have... I have no issue with them being up. It's when they're behind Exactly. I, I know I can turn off the game. But you can you can work through that with certain players in a core that you're working with. I don't think you can fix defense unless you've got the right structure, and they found it. Yeah, I, I think with this, with this group of players, with this cap situation, with the guys that are under contract long-term, I'm totally with you. Now, in a hypothetical scenario where I just know, hey, I've got a bunch of defensemen coming, I'm not building around any of these guys, and we've got forwards that we've invested in uh, maybe then I would I would prefer the alternative um, but for this context of what we've been watching here in St. Louis I, I totally agree with you I would rather it be this way than the alternative because you are so pot committed with what you have defensively right now all right coming up in about 15 minutes or so Jim Bowden is back He's got some trades that he would put out there if he was the Cardinals. We'll let you know what he had to say coming up in just a little bit. But next, it's time to dive into the junk drawer. I've got an experience from this weekend while I was out at Furrow Field that I want to get Alex's opinion on. What would he have done in this situation? We'll get to it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. The Junk Drawer with BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Fenton Bar and Grill. Best trashed wings in Missouri. Dine in. Carry out. Seven days a week. 
Justin T-Bone on BK. So I went out to Columbia this weekend, Alex, with a group of Kara's friends from college who are now my friends as well. We all, many of nice us, save. Well, you know, many, you know how this works, right? Where your then girlfriend, now wife's friends eventually are like, you see them so often that you're friends with all of them as well. It's kind of how this, this group ends up working out. So we had 14 of us that were all staying at this Airbnb together, ended up going to the Mizzou game together. So... We go out there having a good time Friday night. I remember what it was like to be in college. Wake up Saturday feeling terrible. It was fantastic. Oh, yeah. We saw it. the texts. <laughs> the shots started pouring. And oh, I was like, no. I don't know if I've got this in me anymore. And then we rallied. We rallied after that. Uh, one thing that was shocking to me, we went to a bar that I used to go to that was pretty cheap when I was in college. We got three buckets. They were like, yeah, that'll be $130. I said, excuse me? I'm in Columbia, what? right? It's 15 beers for 130 bucks. I couldn't believe it. I was beside myself. I was like, I'm, That's I'm 40 in a college bucks a town. Bucket. Get the hell out of here. I genuinely could not believe what had just taken place. I would have it's left. Like $8 a beer. I would have said, no, no this sir. This is Cardinals prices. Come on, man. You don't get my service. So we had a good time Friday night. Saturday, we wake up. We uh, go out, tailgate most of the day. It's a good time, man. There's a there's a lot happening. There's a lot of people out there getting their tailgates going early. We get into our seats. I mentioned earlier, we're like upper level, right? Towards the, the front, but of the upper level. So we're sitting down. It's like, I'd say midway through the third quarter at this point. It's been a fun game to watch. Everybody's having a blast. And then the guy next to me, he hears something. He says, did you just throw something at me? No, man, what happened? And then behind us, you just hear somebody yell, ah, he threw up. Oh, no. A guy like five rows behind us oh, no. had blown his chunks. He tosses <laughs> his cookies everywhere. Man. Nope. And it like phew, was oh, a projectile, projectile. vomit. Ugh. Didn't what? get on me, but the two guys that were next to me you know what? were in his line of <laughs> bleep that guy for projectile vomiting. You know there's a crowd in front of you. <laughs> Duck your damn head down and puke on yourself. The two guys next to me both had a little something. One on a pea oh. coat, the other on his own coat. No. No. Uh-uh. So I'm never going to Mizuki oh. again. One of them looked over at me and bleep was like, that. What just happened? Did that guy just throw up on me? Clearly upset about the fact that he had been puked on. As Understandable. He be. Oh my god. He looks back, sees the guy is very clearly incoherent at this point in time. This I think is a kid. He's like a 22-year-old college student, right? Being dumb, whatever. He's like, ah oh, man, this guy's got way more problems than I do right now. I'm gonna let him be. If you're in that spot and you were just thrown up on, what's your reaction in the stands, Alex? Ah, I, I mean, I'm I'm pissed. I'm pissed, but like, what are you going to do? The dude's Nothing. inebriated. Like you yelling at him is not going to do anything. So I think I leave. You leave? <laughs> oh, hell you yeah. Stay? It was just little chunks. It wasn't like care. a <laughs> It was just a little chunk. There's vomit on me. I'm out. I'm out, guys. I'm going home. I'm showering, probably buying some bleach to pour all over no, myself. I'd, I'd burn that. I'd burn whatever oh, you're yeah. I'm Somebody taking it off and throwing said, it. Guys, I did the same thing at the game on Saturday, but I'm a gentleman. I poured it all right between my feet. See? That's, that's, the, bigger, hero. that's the bigger problem. Like, don't be an a-hole. If you've got to vomit when you're around a crowd, duck your damn head down and puke in between your legs. Puking your own I, area, not on people. I thought this was going to... 
but when you started this story and said I heard I heard something, when I went to the zoo game in South Carolina, someone dropped their beer and spilt it on someone uh, in front of them. That's, that's where I thought you were going. And see, that one that I'd be like, more upset about. That oh, one I'd be a lot more pissed oh, off no, about. I, I, like, I'd, I'd be say upset. something in that one. I would say something. I'd be upset, but, like, he, he dropped it. It wasn't like he poured it on it him. It happens. It, like... Hold, hold your damn that beer. That one's not as bad as being thrown up on. Yeah, but see, like, I can't... Even if it's little chunks. I can't confront a dude who's drunk from vomiting. I can be pissed and leave, but I can confront somebody for dropping their drink. But again, you're not going to do... Like, what's no, that yeah, you're not going to do nothing anything. Feel better. Yeah, you just get to yell, yeah. and then maybe yeah. he yells back. Yeah. Like, I, I say my piece, and I move on. Uh, from the 314, guys, how much worse do the hangovers get with age? Much. I don't even think it's age. <laughs> it's the, the lack of sleep. friend. Liquid IV is your friend. Dude, I got... For these old guys. I felt great this weekend. Baby boy stayed here with his grandparents, so I got like seven hours of sleep on Friday night. Oh, felt great. Once three, woke up at 9.30. Oh, my God. I felt completely rested by the time I woke up. See, you could have got like 13 hours of sleep if you would have went to bed at like 11 o'clock. Yeah, but oh we went out, I look at we'll see, that's, and There's the difference. How boring that is. There's the difference. We went boring. to Shiloh. We went to Harpo's. We had to stop in a shop bar real quick. Uh, had a good dinner before all of this. Went over to Big 12. Somebody on the text line said they had $3 neutrals. Didn't see that. Um, went over. We got El Rancho. If you're somebody from Columbia, you know what I'm talking about with the... They, they technically call it cheese, but it's the white paste that they put on the nachos. Had to get a little bit of that before we went back. Oh, it's great. It's great. See, to the text lines on my same page right now. First of all, the guy that said he puked in his lap, he said, I apologize to everyone, and then I left. That is a damn gentleman right there. See, there you go. From the 618, if you can't control your liquor, bleep off and get out of here. Have some self-control. If you're not an adult and can't hold on to your drink and you drop it, get the hell out of here. Go home and get a sippy cup. I mean, it's a tight area no, there. Like, no, I get it. No, you know? No, 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 no. Man, you are just an ultimate buzzkill. Buzzkill. I just have some respect. 13 hours around. of sleep, too, I'm by not, the way. Who I'm not gets a buzzkill. If you have respect for adults around you, I'm, I'm there to have a good time. But if you have disrespect for other people, that's when we got a problem. And the world is full of disrespectful <laughs> people. I think you're just looking for a fight. <laughs> no, no, I'm never looking for a fight. I just want respect. People want respect. And when if you go back to Lindenwood, are there certain spots that you got to go to? Because, like, when I go back to Columbia, I feel like I'm reliving a moment in my life, right? Oh, uh, uh, yeah. It's, it's Main Street for me up in St. Charles. Yeah, I mean, we spent... Are you a big Q guy? Quintessential? No, not really. There was an Italian place up there that's got, like, a bar right next Tony's? to it. No, not Tony's. I forgot what it's called. One of my buddies will text me. But it was, like, an Italian spot that had great pizza, but then they had, like, bars next to it. So it's like you'd get good pizza, and then you'd There's go enjoy the bar. over there now that I see the, the college kids. Not a big honky-tonk guy. Surprising. I'm surprised by that. Yeah. No, I You're don't a country like, guy. I am a country guy. Oh, but you know what? We went to a country bar as well. I forgot did about you? that one. Yeah, I'm not a big, big honky-tonk guy. But I tell you this. You go into a honky-tonk bar, people have respect in you that bar. Have, you guys have been with me to my good old college stomping grounds in Alton, Illinois. Yeah, yeah, yeah you can't hang. going on over there? Yeah. And you, you can't hang. No, he can't hang. That's what are you true. talking me? about? That's yeah, true. you. <laughs> all we know is Alex can hang. Well, that's <laughs> that debatable, last time. Too. I Buddy. feel like we all had a pretty good time in Alton. Yeah. I feel like we all bounced back pretty well the next day in Alton. Now, it took me a little I bit. Yeah. I got I did. <laughs> Talanias, just... thank you, 636. That's what oh, it was called. Spot. Love Talanias. Big... There's a Talanias in St. Charles? Oh, yeah, it's on Main Street. I don't, maybe it's not there anymore, I but like it was there when we anymore. were there. But yeah, no, Main Street's where it's at. 
Big A's is a good spot. We got to go to Godfrey, but, Illinois, and hit uh, the Lewis and Clark spots. No, no. I'll go back with you, T-Bone. <laughs> now no. that I lived my college life for a weekend once yeah, again, I'm back. It. I'm now, back, like, baby. Hell most no. exciting sporting event we'll see is probably like the tennis team, but like we can do it. That's all right. We got this. We'd be the only we'll ones there, too. But yeah, hell we'll, we'll root no. them on. No. With Alex and T-Bone on BK the coming up squirrels. next. Jim Bowden, high school. the former Major League Baseball general manager, is back on The Athletic with some trade ideas. He had a few for the Cardinals. We'll hear him next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. This is exactly where you want to be listening to us. It's PK and Ferrario, live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. T-Bone on BK. You got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. We got some news earlier today. We announced that Daniel Descalso is going to be joining the Cardinals staff in some capacity for 2024. Oh, I was right. What I said. (laughs) I just winged it. Oh, God, this is even worse. Uh, The Cardinals have now made it official. He is going to be joining the staff and not just in any capacity. He's going to be your new bench coach. He's going to be the bench coach in 2024. Joe McEwing is moving to a special assistant role under John Mozilla. <laughs> oh, poor Joe. Come on, man. That's not nice. Don't do that to Super Joe. <laughs> he's now he's now making front office decisions. Your, yeah. ben, your bench coach is now making front office. That's hey, why don't Lance Lynn's Because back. that was literally Daniel Descalso's job last year in Arizona. Well, I would much rather have Daniel Descalso in that job. Well. I was only joking when I said Daniel Descalzo oh, was the bench coach. I thought he was going to be no, like a true. roving infielder and oh, instructor so, or something no. like that. So no bench coach for Yadier Molina. That is my biggest takeaway here. My biggest takeaway is I, I think it's clear they were trying to get a new bench coach in there. I This is me speculating. I'll reckless speculation. Uh, I think they were trying to get a new bench coach. I think that was something that they prioritized this offseason. My guess is it's something that they talked to Yadier Molina about. And Yadi said, I'm not comfortable with that amount of time committing to it and I don't blame him I'm glad that he didn't commit to it prior to them figuring out exactly what that time commitment was going to be and now I I would guess Yachty's still going to be joining the the staff in some capacity but it'll probably be in like a catching instructor role where he can kind of roam in and out as he pleases throughout the course of the regular season so uh, Daniel Descalso the new bench coach we'll get to these trade conversations from Jim Bowden here in a moment, but Alex, what's your initial reaction to the move? I mean, I think it's smart. Uh, we, we saw the impact of a Skip Schumacher on the bench with Ali Marmol that first year, and I always feel like to have a coach that close to the guy in charge, you want somebody who's really close to the game, and Daniel Descalzo is not very far removed from the game, so you're going to get somebody who has a keen eye, somebody that Ali Marmol really trusts, and I think you can have some good communication there. That's what I think matters. Yeah. I think it really matters that Ollie trusts him. Um, that's Ollie, what he had with Skip. Ollie and Skip were super tight. Ollie and Matt Holiday are like legitimately really good friends. And when you have a guy that is in that role, you have to have implicit trust in them. Because if you don't and you're second guessing what their moves are, man, you're in your own head at this point. I think we know. Ollie and Daniel Descalso have a really good relationship. They trust one another. They're going to be willing to tell each other when they disagree with one another. And that hopefully will help to lead to better decisions as well. So I, I think this is a really smart role. And I think that trust that you got there, I think that's the key word that I would use in describing their relationship. I think that's meaningful on the bench going into 24. Yeah. And that was my biggest kind of takeaway. I 
to be honest with you, I forgot about the Molina aspect of things when this was when you said that he was bench coach. That's what you're looking for. Is you're looking for a guy to go kind of hand in hand with battle to battle with right next to your side there. And I mean, you saw it all the time where they cut to it and and you see the discussions even when it was Ollie and Joe McEwing and then when it was Ollie and Skip. You're constantly talking, trying to game plan something. And I I think to Alex's point, I, I do think there is something to it of looking for a guy that used to play and not only did he used to play, but he played in kind of that. Uh, super utility role, a guy that was, he wasn't a superstar, but he had to earn his money by working hard and grinding his way through Major League Baseball. I think that's important, and I think that's why you see a lot of those guys move into these positions. And again, I, I the trust is the most important part of this, is making sure you know that you trust the guy that's going to be with you and on your coaching staff, and that's that's why I, I, I knew that he had probably some interest and had a connection to Ollie. I didn't expect the bench coach role, but I, I don't mind the hire at all. I would say the three names that immediately came to mind when we were talking about this previously, when we were talking about the possibility of the Cardinals adding somebody to their staff in the bench coach role. One, Yachty. We mentioned him already. Two, Daniel Descalso. And three was John Jay, who is currently on the staff down in Miami. And he's I I think he's like the first base coach down there. So it would be technically a promotion for him if he were to get this job here. Those are the three guys that immediately came to mind. They clearly explored two of them. We we know we have a pretty good idea of the type of person that Ollie wants in that role. And this is no shot against Joe McEwing. The guy was given the situation that the Cardinals were in in the spring. You couldn't have come out of it with a much more qualified individual than Joe McEwing being in that role. But McEwing and Ollie didn't have a previous history together. They're, it's really hard to build that trust in one offseason, but certainly not when you're that late into the season or the, the offseason and you're just hiring a guy uh, to come in on a one-year situation. So I think that's just going to be a better spot for the staff going into 2024 than it was going into 23. That's not the reason why they stunk this year. The pitching was. But overall, they had a lot of things that they needed to change. This was just one of the many things that they have to change. All right. So I mentioned Jim Bowden and what he wrote earlier today over on the athletic guys, the Cardinals brought in Lance land. If you guys haven't heard about it one year, $11 million. That's the official deal. There is a team option for year number two. If they wanted to bring him back for the following season, it could be worth like $25 million. Basically, if they want to, that can't be the best move that they make. They need to add two more pitchers that slot in front of miles. Michaelis, in my opinion, for this season to be this off season to be a success. Jim Bowden was asked by a bunch of fans about some potential trades that could take place this offseason. He responded and gave like a, yes, this some, this seems like something that would be reasonable, or no, this would be a terrible idea, and some of them were just trash trade ideas, right? Similar to what we get on the text line at times. Some good, some not so good. So the first one that he was asked about, he was asked about the Mariners and what they could do this offseason, Alex, with their young starting pitchers. So we're talking about Bryce Miller and Brian Wu. He said Miller and Wu have significant value in a trade this offseason. They could bring back a significant bat, such as Jonathan India from the Reds or Nolan Gorman from the Cardinals. Alex, if I was to ask you right now, Bryce Miller, Brian Wu, one of those two for Nolan Gorman, what is your opinion of that from the Cardinals' perspective? Don't do it. Uh, Because I'm not giving up. And I know both Bryce Miller and Brian Yu or Brian Wu are, are players that have a really high upside, but I've already seen at the big leagues the high upside of Nolan Gorman. And I'm not trading somebody who is a major league ready talent for a pitcher 
who I hope can take over the front end of my starter because that's what I did with Tampa and it blew up in my face. So uh, the only way I'm trading Nolan Gorman to Seattle is if Logan Gilbert's the name coming the other way. Otherwise, we're not trading Nolan Gorman. Yeah, I don't think I would trade a player of Gorman's type with his ceiling for these guys that are still trying to figure out who they are. I, I want more of a sure thing if I'm going to trade Gorman, who though I know he's still trying to get to his ceiling as well. I mean, he's a 40 home run type hitter, and hitters stay healthy for the most part, typically, compared to pitchers. So I, I don't want to give him up for a, I don't want to call them projects, but guys that are still trying to figure their way around Major League Baseball, I, I just don't want to do that. No chance in hell I would do this. Nope. No chance. If this is the asking price for pitching on the open mar- or on the trade market right now, is like for Miller and Wu, you're trading Nolan Gorman? Oh, dude, we got to talk more seriously about what it's going to take to get a Logan Gilbert or Dylan Cease, because now we're talking about like, Stuff that the Cardinals are not going to be willing to trade. And so we can probably cross them off of the list of realistic options. And this would get me down to the Tyler Glass now type of a situation. The other one that he he was talking about was uh, Shane Bieber, who could be available this offseason by the Guardians based on all reports. Jim Bowden, former Major League Baseball general manager, said an offer of Tommy Edmond and Alec Burleson or Dylan Carlson. So Edmond, he's in it. And then you add in one of Burleson or Carlson for Shane Bieber would consider to be in the vicinity of what it would take for Cleveland, in my opinion, because Bieber is under control for just one more year. However, if he's healthy, he could be a top of the rotation type of a starter again. He might be open to signing long term with St. Louis as well. That would be close, in my opinion, offering Edmund and one of Burleson or Carlson for Shane Bieber. Alex, if that was the case for Bieber, and we saw this before the Cardinals had officially signed Lance Lynn, would you be interested? I would. Um, and I would do a, uh, as BK liked to do last week, the choose your own path. Huh. I would like to do an Edmund and Burleson for a Shane Bieber and then trade Carlson for Manoa because that would be an ideal offseason for me because I'm getting two guys, one that, of course, is right on par with what your expectation is, and the other one that you're hoping you can unlock something that was not there last year. I don't know if I would trade I mean either one of these trade scenarios I'm fine with because I'm getting Shane Bieber and that makes my team better than what it was Uh, but that would be my choose your own adventure of trying to get two different guys with those three players yeah see I I wouldn't do this trade anymore like in the office before the Lynn signing yeah I would have done this if he's like the third pitcher you're bringing in I don't have interest in bringing him in ahead of Michael he is kind of like Miles Michaelis doesn't strike out a ton of batters and relies on pitch to contact oh and by the way he's coming off of an injury injury this year so I have no interest in Shane Bieber anymore. I, I wouldn't pull this trade off because they signed Lance Lynn. Now, Lynn had not signed, then I would be interested and I would pull off this deal and then still look to get two guys ahead of him. But I don't think he's the guy the Cardinals should be targeting anymore. We we mentioned when Cal Quantrill was DFA'd or yeah. whatever the Gardens did with him. We said that's not the type of pitcher the Cardinals are targeting any, anymore. Shane Bieber in, falls into that category because he doesn't have the swing and miss stuff that they're looking for. I was interested in this until I saw the news of Lance Lynn. That's the spot. I was interested in Shane Bieber because he was going to fill the innings role where I understand he didn't pitch a ton of innings this past season, but for his career, he's a guy that you can count on to be out there every fifth day. He's going to give you 180 innings or whatever. I no longer wants to fill that role. They have filled it with Lance Lynn. That's their choice. They essentially said we have a $10 million slot for the back end of our rotation Who is it going to go to? Could it go to Shane Bieber? Could it go to Seth Lugo? Could it go to Nick Martinez? Could it go to Lance Lynn? They chose Lance Lynn. That's the path that they have decided. I don't know that that would have been my path. I would have preferred some of these alternatives. Like I would have rather seen them go out and get Seth Lugo over Lance Lynn. Just 
head-to-head, but Seth Lugo is going to take a three-year deal. They probably want one of their young starters to be the number five starter by this time next year. So I get why they're doing that. It maintains some flexibility for them. That being said, it also takes them out of this market. I think it takes you out of the veteran $10 million last year of his arbitration deal comes in and is a back end of the rotation starter. They shouldn't be looking at those guys anymore. You're done. Don't have to worry about them. You've got Lance Lynn for that role. Now let's go look at the top end of the market. It's time to talk about the top tier starters, or at least the top two tiers of starters that are now either available via free agency or the trade market. Then we can see where we're at for the bullpen coming up next. It's time for our football pick and reveal. I used to hate this segment. Now I love it. We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. and T-Bone on BK. You got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. Coming up here in just a little bit, 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line for in or out. You give us a scenario. We'll tell you if we are in or out. That's coming up here in just a little while. But right now, it's time for our football pick em reveal. Each and every week, we pick three different games over the course of the weekend. Alex, we rate them on a scale of one to three, three being the highest, one being the lowest. For Alex, it typically doesn't matter which one he rates them as because he doesn't get any points. But for the other two of us that are eligible to receive points on a weekly basis, that matters immensely. So let's get to the picks going into this weekend. I get so cocky from two weeks where he's good. <laughs> so three cocky. It's he's been, been, three, he's been asked for an entire year and then two I'm weeks. I'm on a heater, man. Two weeks. It's, ooh, you Alex pick, can't make picks. If you were making <laughs> picks with me over the last three weeks, we're making you some money. It was T-Bone at the beginning of the year. I've taken over for him. I I took that relay, and we're now sprinting away from the competition, T-Bone. I, I'm going to comment when Literally. we're done revealing he's been picks. He's been bad for a year. Yeah, but the last three weeks, baby, we're back. All right, let's start out with the first pick that we need to give out. Uh, this one was, unfortunately, not a positive development. Things went poorly for me. My one-point play. The Pittsburgh Steelers are going to go into Cleveland and beat the crap out of the Cleveland Browns. You're going with Dorian Thompson-Robinson again? Give me the Steelers plus the one and a half. Well, I hate agreeing with BK, but that's my three-point play. Um, I'm very confident in this one. Plus, Pat Fryermuth is coming off of the injured reserve to play on Sunday. That's a massive weapon for Kenny Pickett. The running game's been great. I'm just, I'm done with Cleveland. Snap. Hopkins sweeps the leg. It's perfect. Cleveland takes the lead. Well, we had it pegged. We knew what the game was going to look like. I said like 17-13 was kind of my prediction. Unfortunately, uh, Steelers don't score points. They had 100 passing yards in this game, Alex. Jalen Warren rushed for 130. Figured that would be enough for them. Unfortunately, it was not because Kenny Pickett's terrible. And their offense uh, has been outgained in every single game so far this season. Not what we were looking no, for there. No, no, God no. But uh, that's what I get when I agree with BK on a pick and making my three-point play. If you had picked my other two, maybe it would have been a little bit different for you, including my three-point play of the week. I took the Cowboys minus a huge number last week against the Giants and never even had to think twice about it. I think it's going to be something incredibly similar this week. This is on the road. It's at Carolina, and so you have to lay fewer points, and that's part of why I love it. Ten and a half points. 
for the Cowboys on the road at the Carolina Panthers. I don't know how the Panthers score in this game. I think the Cowboys are going to be able to do whatever they want to do. Rose and it's intercepted. It's Deron Blanding again. Bland looking for another pick six and he's got it. It's his fourth of the year. How about them Cowboys? Well done, T-Bone. Jerry uh, Jones? 33-10 to 10 was the final score in that one. Never close. Bryce Young is an atrocity to everybody. Nobody should have to watch him play football anymore the rest of the season. Uh, the Panthers should tank the rest of the way, and they should try to get Caleb Williams. They, they should have a mulligan. Do what the Arizona Cardinals did when they took Josh Rosen in one year and then said, you know what, we've made a mistake. Uh, let us get Kyler Murray. Here's the problem. They don't have their first round pick. <laughs> so even if they wanted yeah, to take Chicago's got the it. rest of the way, all they're doing is giving Chicago yeah. a better pick because they failed so spectacularly with their evaluation of this year's top overall selections. I think yes. Chicago, just our Carolina calls Chicago and oh. says, hey, do over. <laughs> do over. Can we get it back? Can we get CJ Stroud, please? We messed up. We messed up big time. Dude, Dude it's bad. Good it's thing really they kept bad. DJ Moore, though. Uh, good win by me. Uh, good pick. Yeah. Yikes. Oof, not good, man. All right, next one up here uh, is another game that two of us selected. T-Bone and I were both on one college football game that we liked. Yes, Georgia's going on the road. Yes, this is going to be in Knoxville. And yes, I think the Georgia Bulldogs are going to beat the ever-living hell out of the Tennessee Volunteers. That's my three-point play. Uh, I've got Georgia at minus the 10.5 of Tennessee. I'm with Joe Milton. They're going to get behind early. And as we've talked about, Joe Milton couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Carson Beck's got two touchdown passes today. Looking for another. Throws it complete. Rosamie Jack Saint, number three on the day for Beck. Touchdown, Georgia. Dude, Georgia's really good again. Like, I, the way that they're playing right now, I did not feel this way earlier in the season, and something changed after, after that Auburn game. I don't know what it was specifically, but something changed. And since then, they have clearly been the best team in college football, in my mind. Carson Beck has grown up in a meaningful way. That guy's really good now. I think he's going to be, like, a second-round pick if he wants to go into the NFL. They've got Brock Bowers back, too. This is a an absolute buzzsaw that is rolling through the SEC right now. They beat the crap out of Tennessee on Saturday. I think they're going to beat the crap out of Bama once they get to the title game. Bama's been playing some good football, too, though. I know, but Georgia's just a different animal right now. It's unbelievable. They are so good. All right, the other side of college football uh, is another team that T-Bone said on Friday is the best team in college football. Not sure I'm buying it. My two-point game, I'm going to the college slate. Guys, they're the best team in the country. And Maryland lost to Illinois. That's all you need to know. Give me the Michigan Wolverines. Minus 19 at Maryland. They're going to kick the crap out of them. Edwards wants to use that 6-4 frame. They push him forward. Touchdown! Michigan's very clearly just trying to get to the finish line. Like They, they wanted to win that yeah. game by showing as little as humanly possible. Yeah. They, they didn't want to show anything of interest that could potentially hurt them going into Ohio State. So they played it super conservatively. They ended up getting just enough out of their running game to be able to get a win, and they go into Maryland, win by seven, but that does not cover the spread, unfortunately. It's tough. You know, I, I buy into them, and most mostly not so much buying into them, but like buying out of Maryland stock because you lose to Illinois, and Illinois is just terrible. Um, so that one's tough. That one stings a little bit, but I, it's okay. Alex should have known better. He knows he not to pick college games, yep. and yet he did exactly that on Friday. 
Well, guys, this might surprise you. I'm going to the college football slate for Whoa! my two-point play. I know. What? I don't do it. I don't do it. But There's I think we got to break the schneid. Taking the Missouri Tigers. Oh, no. yeah, yeah, baby. I'm taking a minus 10 and a half. I so love confident. it. Florida's trash. Third attempt. Yeah, we are trash. By Mevis. trash defense. And Mevis drills it. And did he just chop his way off the field? 33 to 31. Missouri retakes the lead. I got to blame my cousin on this one because I, I asked for help. And uh, he goes, dude, Mizzou, easy. Easy. I almost made that my damn three-point play. Didn't really? matter because I was oh, terrible. Boy. And I called him afterwards. I said, you're an idiot, and I'm never taking your advice ever again. No, that's fair. So that's, that's fair. why I don't ask and for help. Again, BK was in the building. Like That's true. I did not take that into consideration. Yeah, no, that's something you should actually consider. Should have yeah, been like seven points in favor. Enough with this Mizzou it. being a great team. Defense was trash. Yeah. Uh, Mizzou's good. Yeah, yeah, okay. They're not Defense in the same criteria trash. as the great, great teams. There's like cover. six yeah. great teams in college football yeah. this year. You barely beat a, in that You barely beat an unranked Gators team. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm done with Mizzou. Next one up here is T-Bone, who went to the Sunday night football slate. I'm going to go to the Sunday night football game. And, man, what a stinker it sure is. But <laughs> I, I think the Vikings <laughs> are a better football team than the Denver Broncos. We're getting a little out over their skis on the Denver Broncos after their win on Monday night football. Still true. Uh, against the Josh <laughs> yeah. Allen Bills. So I like Minnesota. Plus two and a half. Dobbs taking off to the end zone. Touchdown, Josh Dobbs. Doing it with his legs again. Very fortunate. Didn't to get do that much. With Very his fortunate to get that cover there. That's kind of how I figured it'd go. You know, either they win by two or they lose by one or two. So close enough. Uh, that, was, that was trash watching. You get that, the win, they end up covering. That felt like an Al Michaels game. Yeah, that should have been a Thursday night yeah. one for sure. Yeah. Uh, next one up, final pick of the week, going back to one of Alex's picks. Man, you put the bad juju on this team. They looked terrible for most of the day. All right, one-point play going to the NFL because it's done so good for me so far. Taking Detroit minus 7.5. It concerns me the 7.5 number because I think Chicago can stay with them offensively. Justin Fields just coming back after being gone for like four weeks. I think Detroit's rolling right now. Fields climbs, Fields throws, touchdown! One-two punch delivers, it's Fields to Moore for the lead. Little did I know that the Rams' Jared Goff was going to show up into that football Dude, game. He looked terrible. Yeah, that was, uh, They shouldn't that have even hard. freaking With won that three game. three minutes left in the game, they were down 26-14, to 14, and they found a way to come back and win, which they needed in a bad way. Uh, they're trying to keep pace for that top overall uh, spot in the NFC playoff field, and if the Eagles lose tonight, they will be right there with them. But man, that was an ugly performance by them. It doesn't matter that they won. You don't need style points in the NFL. Wins away, but baby. Yikes, dude! That was a ugly performance by the. Yeah, Lions. the only reason they won was because they played an even uglier team in the Chicago Bears. Yeah, you ain't lying. All right, so the new updated standings in our football pick'em. I have 16 points through the first three weeks, which. Whew, yeah, there's only 18 points possible. I've got 16 of them. Pretty damn good through the first three weeks of this uh, Pick'em Challenge. T-Bone is at 12 points through the first three weeks of this Pick'em Challenge. And a respectable number, by the way. Yeah. Alex has five. Oh. And as we did some math, Uh-oh. there are six points remaining this month. Therefore, Alex Ferrario is guaranteed to oh. be punished and this month's Pick'em Challenge, the Pick'em Challenge punishment for this month is getting tomatoes thrown at you as part of wait. the punishment. 
Alex, congratulations, my friend. You earned this one. You yeah. really earned this one. Congrats, you're a loser. It's not mayo and coffee, so I'll call that a win. Could be worse. By the way. Could always be worse. I, I was, like, going to just go about my business next week, you know, where it's like, you know, we're going to pick games. It's going to be for fun. But because BK's out here talking all kinds of trash, like, look at yeah. me atop the leaderboard, I'm putting it back in this place. <laughs> I'm going to take that first place standing from you by hey, the end of the month. There's one thing we know about BK. When he starts to get braggy about certain things, yeah. it's when he ishes the bed. So next <laughs> yeah. week I expect you to be in my spot. Yeah. Yeah, like when I think that the Cardinals are actually going to do something of significance yeah, during the exactly. offseason, and I try to tell happen. you, mansplaining to you, that that's what's going to happen, and you get pre-mad, and I say, don't get yeah. pre-mad, and then your pre-mad is so, more than so what's So what's, like, the rules in this thing? Because, like, what? let's make sure these tomatoes are a little soft, <laughs> so I'm not getting hit by baseballs. I feel like we'll get them a week ahead of time, so that way let they'll be nice and little. ripe for yeah. you. I'm let them, freezing mine. Let them rot a little. <laughs> you freeze it, I turn around and heave it back at you. <laughs> <laughs> Bleep this punishment. He's Alex Ferrario, that's Tanner <laughs> Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kylan. Not so fun whenever you're the one that's yeah, getting, getting a happy finger. Coming up next, in or out here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Come on, man. Are you in or are you out? It's in or out with PK and Ferrario. Four three nine 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 six four six is the air comfort service tax line for in or out. You give us a scenario. We'll tell if we are in or out here on 101 ESPN. Let's start out with this, boys. In or out, Lance Lynn will be at least the third best starter on the Cardinals by next year's season end. Out. Not because I think the Cardinals are going to sign better pitchers, but I don't think Lynn's going to have a successful season. I think Michaelis, Mats, Thompson, whoever they sign, all will be better than Lance Lynn. Yeah, I'm out. I, I think you're going to see Lance Lynn with like a five ERA and kind of push his way through as the number five starter. My hope is that that is worse than the third best starter in this rotation. Um, if it's not, something horribly has yeah, happened. Otherwise, it's a or repeat of last year. something great has happened so, in the Cardinals' uh, mind. I'm going to say out. I'm hoping that. He's not in your top three. I'm, I'm with you guys. I would be genuinely shocked. I think he will be the fourth best starter at best on the Cardinals next year. And if he's the fourth best starter, it's because he, he went back to what he was in 2022 and not what he was in 2023. Alex, what do you got for us? In or out, by the end of the season, Scott Perunovich is playing consistently with Colton Pareko. This is interesting. Um, I'm going to say out. They still don't seem to trust him at five on five. He played, I think it was eight minutes at five on five yesterday. Um, so I'm, I'm going to say out. But it is an interesting development that he did get some time with him in the third period the other day. Yeah, and he got some time against the LA Kings game, and I know the game was out of reach, but it's pretty obvious that they're, at least in the last couple of games, trying to see what it looks like. We saw it a lot in preseason, uh, and I asked Joe on pregame the other night, and he said that, that that's a goal for the team is to see if Perunovic can be a consistent top-pairing uh, partner with Colton Pareko. I think I would say I'm in on this. I I think he's going to end up playing with Preco. I think it's going to take time, though. But it could be, I'm trying to think, all-star break. Maybe that's when you can start to see it. You slowly start easing him in, see how he responds. Kind of like what Ali Marmol and the Cardinals do with guys. They slowly ease him in, and then they kind of push him into that role that they're hoping that they can get him to and see how he responds to that. I think maybe we're going to see that with Scott Pernovich, potentially. We'll see. T-Bone? In or out? Sonny Gray's the next pitcher the Cardinals signed this offseason. Out. In. 
he's going to sign with Atlanta. I think Atlanta is going to. That's when my panic starts. Throw a lot at him. In or out. Then it's Rodriguez is the pivot. (laughs) Out. I think Rodriguez is comfortable where he is. I don't know what the pivot is. And that's why I would officially panic if Sonny Gray signs elsewhere. Because then. The pivots, waka, waka, waka. I I think that may be correct. Because I don't think it's going to be Jordan Montgomery. I don't think he's coming back. You're not. I don't think you're signing Blake's now. I don't think Yamamoto is realistic. Alan Craig free to play the outfield? Uh, who? Imanaga, maybe. Maybe, but the that's he's gonna have, Cardinals. Uh, Kylie McDaniel wrote about this today and said he's probably one of the three safest, quote unquote, safest bets yeah. in free agency. But like, if he gets the contract that Kylie's projecting, he was saying that it could have like an eleven million dollar posting fee. I would assume the Cardinals will add that into the contract and whatever the AAV is for their budget this year. Don't know if they can do a whole lot then if they the bring a problem him over is the clash just like falls off of a cliff. So you've got Yamamoto, yeah, no, like Nola, Snell. Range. All right. Um, if we assume Yamamoto's out of their price range and Snell doesn't want to come here, then you get down to the second tier. That includes Jordan Montgomery, who we don't think is signing here. In this scenario, Sonny Gray has signed elsewhere. Eduardo Rodriguez, Shota Imanaga, and Marcus Stroman. I don't think they're interested in Marcus Stroman. We saw that last time that he was a free agent. So now you're with Rodriguez and Imanaga. I mean... If you don't sign one of those two guys, now you are at the Lucas Giolito, Michael Walker, Seth Lugo, James Paxton level. Like it just, whew, it changes quickly, man. And this is where the offseason gets difficult is you have to hit in that second tier. If you're not going to get Snell, if you're not going to get Yamamoto, you got to get one of them. And it's why right now I would be on the phone with Sonny Gray's agent and saying, what do we got to do to get this thing done by Thanksgiving? What do we have to do? And they'll say, we got we got more irons in the oven that we might want to focus elsewhere. Irons in the oven. Yeah, Do you put your thing. iron in the oven? It's a thing. You warm it up. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. If he signs with the Braves, dude. I might become a Braves fan. That would be that would be problematic. You you gotta sign Sunny Gray. Alright, three one four three nine 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 six four six is the air comfort service X line for in or out. Guys, in or out, the Cardinals will sign Michael Walker this offseason. In Screw it. You got Descalzo. You got Lynn. Yachty's probably back. <laughs> Might as well complete the offseason. I'm going to say I'm going to remain slightly optimistic, and I'm going to say out. Now you don't need the – I don't even know if he classifies this. You don't He's need the, the swing, swing and miss. But, no, you don't You don't need the swing man slash five-starter now that you've got Lynn. So I'm going to say out. I don't think Waka should be on their radar anymore. Like, he would have been a great number five signing – Probably would have taken him over Lance Lynn, but he's probably going to get a multi-year deal, and I don't yeah. think they wanted to do that. Are you kidding me? You're bringing in eight Ks per nine with Michael Waka. There's your swing man. Swing and miss man, I should say. I would, be, then, I would have been fine with Michael Waka as that guy, too. I Waka, Lugo, Martinez, I would have taken any of them over Lance Lynn. I get why they're going with Lynn. More certainty. I, I get it. But uh, And just one year instead of the multi-year contract. So I get it. Um, I do not think that they are going to sign Michael Waka at this point. I hope that I'm correct on that one and that they go a little higher than Michael Waka in the free agent market. Guys, in or out, if Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship game, Georgia will be left out of the college football playoff. Out. I don't think you I don't think you leave Georgia out. Not one of the teams that has been consistently one of the best teams in college football this year. Even if they lose to Alabama, they still get in. I think if they lose to Alabama, we're probably going to have two SEC teams in the college football playoffs, which is just 
an Can atrocity. Can I give you a scenario where it, it becomes interesting? Is this the same scenario where Mizzou gets in? No. Because that wasn't interesting. <laughs> One of Michigan or Ohio State, whoever wins next week, wins out. So that team is undefeated. They're in. Bama is in. We agree, right? If they beat Georgia, they went out the rest of the way. They're into the college football playoff. I'd say so, yeah. Let's say Oregon beats Washington in the Pac-12 championship game. So Oregon's only loss this year is against Washington, and then they beat them. Washington's only loss on the year would be against Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. You put in, oh, and Florida State wins out. They're undefeated at the end of the season. Where are you putting Georgia? I'd put them over Washington, and I'd put them over Florida State. I think that's Florida State wins out. They don't have their quarterback. Washington would, or they, Georgia would get in over Washington. Huh? Yeah. I mean, your one loss is against Alabama. And if it's a, now, if it's a blowout in the SEC championship game, then we can have a conversation. But I, I just, I, Washington I don't know how you has keep Georgia against out. Oregon, USC, Utah, Oregon State. They would have a win at that point against Washington State as well. Man, it's just a, it's a really good resume to leave this out of why you need against Arizona. They beat Arizona as well. 12-team playoffs. Leaving this that out of the college football playoff and, would be tough. And I know they don't go by the eye test, but I don't think they look like a college football playoff team right now. Washington? I, yeah, I, I think George, I think if you were you... They've just got a really good resume. They've yeah. played a lot of very good opponents. I, they look they like looked a different, good this weekend. I thought they looked good this they weekend. They look like a different team, though, fine. than when they beat those teams that we were talking yeah. about. Like I, like, I think Georgia right now, like, just using the eye test, and I know they're not using this, but the eye test to me says Georgia, one of Michigan or Ohio State, and then it would be Alabama if they beat Georgia, belongs in the college football mm-hmm. playoff. And then Texas is Oregon. the one that could really get make things interesting here too. I just don't think the Big Twelve is like outside of Texas and Oklahoma. Who's I know, there? But they beat Alabama. I know, but on on against Alabama, they won. And I'm putting Alabama in over Texas. It's just tough, man. It's tough. The, the college football playoff has the potential to be a nightmare. This year with four teams in it. I this like was it. absolutely the season where you no, needed 12. No, don't Mizzou gets in. They're locked yeah. in, ready to go. No, they should have 12. Hosting a home college no, football no, playoff game. No, How cool yeah. would that no. have been? They should just go to 12 now and just no. say, you know what? We're implementing the new rule today. Enjoy the chaos. Enjoy it. No, but the chaos Don't get leads, rid of it. Enjoy it. The, cl- the chaos leads to making wrong decisions, and we don't make wrong decisions. No, it would have been true. so great. It would have Enjoy been so great. Mizzou versus Florida State in that first round. Oh, that's yeah. Mizzou terrible. gets a Mizzou wins that game. That's what I'm saying. Actually, no, they don't because they suck and they don't know how to cover okay. in point spreads. Coming up next, we'll hit the rewind here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's run it back with a daily rewind on BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Gloria Loom, your home sold guaranteed realty. Selling your home begins at GloriaHasTheBuyers.com. T-Bone, I'm BK. So tomorrow we're going to have Jim Bowden, former Major League Baseball general manager on the show. Last year, he, d- he does this once a year with us. He'll do it right before the trade deadline. That's twice a year. Right before the trade deadline and right at the start of the offseason. And last year when he came on, we asked him, we said, hey, Jim, so who are the Cardinals going to get? He said, well, they're going to they're going to go out there. They're going to catch her. And I think it's going to be Sean Murphy, but maybe Wilson Contreras. And then they will consider bringing back Jose Quintana. And that's it. That's all you guys are getting this offseason. 
I remember we looked looked at each other and we're like, there's no way that's all they're going to do, right? He was right. So hopefully he has better news for us tomorrow when he joins us here on the show. We will also be joined tomorrow, Alex, by the newest Hockey Hall of Famer, Ken that's Hitchcock. Right. Yeah, Looking Ken forward Hitchcock. to that conversation as well. So we'll have Hitch, we'll have Jim Bowden. We'll have Jeremy Rutherford. Going to be a good show tomorrow. T-Bone will not be here. He's Even out better the rest show. of the week. Oh. He has earned some well-paid vacation. Alex, wow. let's finish those? out the show today by reacting know. to the news of the day really quickly. The Cardinals have signed Lance Lynn. It's a one-year deal worth $11 million. Got a team option afterwards. You are not particularly happy about this signing. No, and I'm pre-mad, which probably makes BK pre-angry, but I'm going to be pre-okay with it because <laughs> I, I think the, the the Cardinals signing Lance Lynn shows me exactly what this team's mindset is. They didn't even uh, really try and force Aaron Nola away from the Phillies. They have a market that they're going to shop in, and it's not going to change. They feel like they need multiple pieces this offseason, which means one of those multiple pieces aren't going to be an expensive piece. They're going to find a couple of other guys. Maybe they hit the trade market, and they're going to say, well, we've got somebody who two years ago was somebody who had 180 innings and a three ERA. We feel like that can be somebody this season for us, and this is why it's underwhelming to me. Yeah, I don't mind the signing, and I'm not. I don't really have – one way or the other about it until we see what the rest of the offseason plays out like because I could see a scenario where he's the number two pitcher. I could see where he belongs as the number five. Um, but I, I I don't mind the signing. Like I I didn't want Lance Lynn at the deadline last year while everybody else was screaming for him because of his home run issues. So like I do have some concerns that they just settled for what's familiar and didn't want to go with the, oh, let's go with a Paxton or let's go with a Mally as the number five. Like, I think there were better options out there, but I can understand how they got to this point, and I'm not going to crush them yet until I see what the next move is. That's kind of where I'm at. Two, sti- two signings slash trades have to be better than this. Yeah. You cannot go into the season with Lance Land as anything more than your fifth best starter. And if that ends up being the case, I'm totally fine with this being the way that they go about it. I think what it does is it it elevates the floor for the team. And I mean that by the innings, really. You know you're going to get 180 innings out of Lance Lynn next year. That guy goes out there and takes every fifth day for you. You don't have to worry about that. So a guy like Tyler Glass now becomes a little bit more of a factor here for the Cardinals where they can say, let's get 20 good starts out of Tyler Glass now next year and don't ask for anything more. Let's go out there and sign Sonny Gray, who's going to be at the front end of our rotation with Glass now. Those are the kinds of moves that I think this allows for. It's also really cheap. And for next year, 2025, that is, it allows you to replace that spot in the rotation with one of your young guys as a back-end starter. So all of this is the upside play. They have to go out and do it, though. They cannot rest on their laurels now and say, oh, we got Lance Land. We're good. One more starter. We're going to go into the offseason. No, that's, you, you got to get things done now. That's what we call kids kicking the can down the road, and the Cardinals are good at it. He's Alex Ferrario. <laughs> that's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kiley. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow at 11 a.m. The Fast Lane's coming up next year on 101 ESPN. I'm so excited. I just can't hide it. Lance Lynn, are you effing kidding me? You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.